CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, what is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, uh, and I'm very excited about today's guest, uh, the monster, Jesse Williams. All right, but before we get into the show, just need to give a quick shout out to our legendary sponsors. Uh, firstly, the guys uh, from Nobby, nobbyunderwear.com.au. They're a subscription underwear service. If you've been listening to the Gypsy Tales podcast for any length of time, you'll know uh, that I'm obsessed with the old Nobbies. Uh, it's the only pair of underwear that I run. I've been on their subscription service for well over 12 months now uh, and underwear is literally the last thing I think about I just get excited every month when that package comes um, I don't know what that what the design is going to be uh, and that's that's really like the only thought that I have about underwear now is uh, when I'm getting uh, my new pair and what the uh, what the rad design is going to be this month um, so you can head to nobbyunderwear.com.au for just 20 bucks a month. You can get a fresh pair of deadly duds delivered to your door. Sign up your mum, sign up your mate. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth every single penny. Uh, also, just got to give a shout out to the guys at Boost Mobile, uh, Australia's best prepaid service provider. And it's not just me saying that, they have won awards for that. Uh, so you can go to boost.com.au uh, to find out more. Uh, you can also buy phones outright from those guys now so they do these uh a1 condition refurbished phones you can save like up to 450 dollars on the latest iphone um so there's no point going and getting into a contract where you're going to pay like a ridiculous amount of money just to own a phone uh, when you can go to boost.com.au and just buy one outright never have to sign a contract um and then it's yours there's that's as easy as it gets. It's the smartest way to do it. Uh, that's what I've done. I do not pay any form of contract for a phone these days. All right. Jesse Williams is a super, super cool guy. And he's also extremely unique in the fact that he is the only dude in Australia to have a Super Bowl ring. He also has two national championships from uh, college football. Uh, so yeah, Jesse was a, a young Aussie dude with a dream to play in the NFL. He went to junior college. If anyone's watched Last Chance You on Netflix, you know how friggin' crazy that is. Uh, went to junior college, was scouted by every single um, Division One team in the United States. He eventually chose Alabama, won two back-to-back national championships with them, which is unheard of, uh, and then went to Seattle Seahawks and was a part of that program for three years where uh, they went on to win the Super Bowl uh, and then narrowly miss out on winning a second one. Um, 
so yeah, just a remarkable story. And to sort of make it even crazier, uh, Jesse was diagnosed with cancer while he was playing for uh, Seattle. Um, just a crazy story and just a super, super, super cool dude. Um, I was really excited for this podcast and I'm going to get him back on because we just didn't talk enough football. Um, when I was in America for all those years, I became a convert. I uh, hated it when I first moved there and I used to laugh at it. Uh, but then I just got super into it for just the insane athleticism and the pressure that those guys are under. Uh, so to get to talk to a guy that has experienced every level of football from Juco all the way through to the NFL, uh, it was super cool for me. Um, but yeah, Jesse just has a, a super inspirational and super crazy story. So um, yeah, thank you for making the time to head on down to the goalie, bro. Uh, and uh, really appreciate it. Enjoy. Yo, 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 Jesse Williams, my motherfucking man. What's happening, bro? Not much. I'm excited for you to be here. We've uh, we'd basically just done a little mini podcast uh, before we even started this bitch. So <laughs> I know it's. I already know it's going to be a good one. Yeah, hopefully. I got a lot of pressure on me now. Nah, I'm, I'm nah. building it up myself. Pressure makes diamonds, bro. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you've been in high pressure situations with this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, bit of background on you. Uh, obviously, people have listened to the intro, so they know. But uh, you're a former NFL player, uh, cancer survivor, all-around bad motherfucker, and I feel lucky to get to sit here and listen to some of your uh, your stories and um, and learn from you, dude. Well, hopefully, I can drop some bombs. That's a good intro. I should use that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> overall, take- overall bad motherfucker. That's a good one. <laughs> Just take it. That's changed my bio on Instagram. Too. Yeah, that, that's it. Um, so yeah, so you. Uh, uh, Brisbane local so you're born and raised here yep. and um, one of the how many people in Australia have got a Super Bowl ring uh, none just me so you're the only dude in Australia with a Super Bowl ring I'm actually the only person ever to go back to back national championships into a Super Bowl should have been two Super Bowls and we lost to Patriots but Patriots what the fuck were they thinking yeah, it's football. <laughs> Dude, that, That's why I'm not a coach. Yeah, I was gonna say that that play, man. Um, like you don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Like that was that's got to be one of the most famous endings to a Super Bowl ever. Yeah. Like, do you? It'll what, definitely be on, a, on an E60 in ten years. You'll see it. Yeah, for sure. What was the like? What was the thinking? Or not the thinking, but like, what was the reaction of the team and like Marshawn and everything up? Because the thing is, like, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. But it's like, dude, Marshawn had a fucking game going that night. Well, honestly, to stick up for Pete, it's a pretty routine play to run a like an inside um, sort of play like that on a pass to burn time. Like I try and tell people all the time, it's like, oh, why did he pass? And I'm like, you try and give Tom Brady thirty seconds in the fourth quarter out of Super Bowl to win yeah for sure like Tom Brady the second Jesus will come and he will score you know what I mean like that's just if you're about writing a script like he'll rewrite it you yeah. know what I mean um, but as in for the mood afterwards yeah it wasn't good the, the shape of that locker room after was not good I think every piece of fragile glass that was in there was shattered yeah I bet dude. phones <laughs> everything how many um how many snaps did you play in the super bowls i didn't get to play at all i was hurt at the time oh no shit fuck so you were just devastated nah. just watching from the sidelines man it was terrible after playing so much in college and getting hurt um it was a big i guess sort of yeah a turn in my career and in regards to my own sort of mental and staying focused i guess um because it is tough it is tough yeah yeah for sure dude um so well, I guess like 
I'd be cool. I don't normally just like try and go back to the start and like start from the start, but I think you got such a fucking crazy story. I don't know much about my birth, but I can reenact a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but so you were born here. Uh, so you from an Aboriginal family? Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander family. Yep. Um, most of my family. So were where were they from? Like Thursday Island. Yeah. Okay. So um, in the Torres Strait, and, and on my mum's side, a little bit back um, to Northern Territory stuff as well on the Aboriginal side. Yeah. But I was pretty much raised Torres Strait Islander my whole life. That's yeah. Right. Most of my family is down from, I guess, the Torres Strait, and you know, in Cairns, Townsville, and so a lot you know in Brisbane. I'm from Cairns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, talked about yeah, last yeah, time. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of family that's still up there. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, that migration down a lot of have a lot of people get stuck in Cairns. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah, all my family now, like my grandparents and at the time my great grandfather and stuff, he was down from Thursday he was in Brisbane. All my aunties, all outside of my family was all there. So that's how I was pretty much raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then so you uh, went to school and everything down here. Did you, were you one of those guys that just got like super crazy sport focused from like day one because of like your physical attributes? Like were you a big motherfucker as a kid too? I was big. Um I, I wasn't really like it was sport the whole time it was basketball my whole family plays basketball my mum and dad were both high level basketball players but it wasn't my mum was also a school teacher and worked at the university at the time so education yeah sort of it didn't trump but it was at the level of what sport was as well yeah um, and it was you know the grades and stuff always had to be there and stuff and I think in hindsight it played a huge role in affecting me being able to do what I did in college and stuff in the US yeah. but I didn't really like I pushed sport pretty hard I didn't play a lot when I was super young like most kids um, but when I was nine I started playing rep um, started playing club basketball and it sort of picked up from there and so did, did everything there and you know I went to nationals and under 16s for basketball did med east did everything for basketball so how tall were you when you were under 16 because you're 6'4 or 6'3 yeah I'm just over 6'4 now um, I don't know I was I was pretty big yeah. I was there was a few kids that were like real tall and lanky but I was probably one of the most like so you were, I looked like a grown man when I was like 12 so, yeah. but like baby face grown man sort of deal um, and then it was just yeah sort of progressed from basketball into everything else but like like most kids in high school I was just you know I threw shot but actually I ran like um, like on, on the 100 meter sprint like when I was in primary school like I did everything um, which I guess it helped me get ready yeah. for being and choosing one sport were you one of those kids that um, could have? Uh, I'm a shit. Like, fuck, man. If you make it in the NFL, like you pretty much could make it in any sport that fits your size, really. But like, do you, were you one of those kids that had people just chasing you to do like all those different kind of sports? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I went to Cav Road in Brisbane, which is a rugby league heavy school, and yeah. um, I didn't play on the rugby league team. I was in the program, but I was bigger than all the kids, and like, yeah, I bet. You know, the Broncos would see me, whatever. All I wanted to do was play basketball and. Yeah, just go to school. Like, I didn't want to play rugby. Honestly, my mum wouldn't let me play rugby. I, w- I wanted to play a few times. My mum wouldn't let me. Really? Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I guess not. not. My mum was worried about me. My dad was worried about me hurting other, other people. Kids, yeah. um, so, and I was like, I would have been around 300 pounds so like 130 something, like grade 11, grade 12. So, I was a pretty big dude. Um, like That's bigger than most crazy. of the NRL. Um, the Broncos saw me, Titans, everyone would see me like when I was just like, you know, rolling around to class, like doing what I do. Um, like, and yeah, then in the basketball, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, who's that kid? But then in basketball, I think, um, once every other kid started getting way taller than me, I was like, oh man, I can just start lifting weights and start doing something else. But 
on my 16th birthday when I was in between the transition to basketball and football, um, I asked my parents for a gym membership. And then from there, I just sort of trained every day. Did you put on size like easy? <clears throat> no, nah, not really. Honestly, it was tough. Like I did the, I could do the usual transition, like started and it was like, was not strong. Like I'm a very athletic person, like balance and can run and all that sort of stuff like that. But like, as soon as I started lifting, I was like, I'm like spastic with it. I'm like, yeah, what's going on yeah. here, you know? Um, so it took a lot and it was just me. It was like, not really anyone else I had to train with, you know, it was just like, and this is before social media. Like I wasn't, I wasn't following no influences to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. You know, yeah, like yeah. I was reading like bodybuilding magazines and then- Did you have the Arnold encyclopedia back then? No, no, no. I was, I, I had a lot of magazines. I was all Ronnie Coleman, man. I was seeing these uh, dudes and I was like, I definitely need to take whatever that powder is right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I'm tricked. <laughs> um, but then when I was, this is when dial up internet um, was around and I was on the internet. All I used to do was look up all the testing results of the combine or you know, strength conditioning tests from each school and I would just work to try and beat those. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, everywhere I would go, I was just like, oh, this dude got drafted. Like he's exactly my size, but he only benched that. He only scored yeah, that. He only ran yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The whole time was just like, because the US is very measurable base, right? So it's just like, they have to have something to grab onto that this yeah. is going to put you, uh, set you apart. And so was that thinking, um, like you always wanted to go to the NFL, like, or was it just, you were just looking for like shit to measure yourself against? Honestly, when I was in Australia, I, it was like, a, like I said, I was, I lived such a normal life that people don't understand that it was such a realistic path of, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be a, a chef. I wanted to be this. I wanted to, you know, then I was like, oh, I'm just going to start building stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when everyone's like grade 11 and 12, everyone's like, oh man, especially your rugby league school, everyone's like, oh, you know, what tertiary studies are we going to do? No one's thinking about going to college. No one's thinking about going to university. Um, I then think from there, um, yeah, sort of transitioning and playing more high level football and getting much more attention from the US when they would come over looking for punters or running camps. Yeah. I sort of sat down, I was probably 16, um, 15, 16, I sort of spoke to my dad and my whole family and it was just like, yeah, well, I guess we'll give it a go. We'll try, you know, everyone's saying we can do this, do this, do this, and everyone's super interested. So, we'll so just, you were playing like club. I was, like no, I was playing, yeah, I was playing like high level um, basketball. I was throwing shot put. Um, I was playing um, gridiron, the kids and the seniors team. Yeah. So I was playing two games in a day. Um, then I played for Queensland, Australia. I played for the world team, represented Australia. In gridiron. Mm. Really? So yeah. I didn't, yeah. So that's like, so my cousin actually, he plays up in Brisbane. He mm. plays, I think he's like a tight end or something. Um, or no, cornerback, I think he plays. And um, it's so, pretty different, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think, well, you know, like sometimes they play like both sides. Like, yeah, both ways. Yeah. not that many. Yeah. yeah. But six dudes on the team. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the first time I'd seen, um, I'd seen anyone in Australia, like I'd seen any like gridiron stuff playing yeah. in Australia. So there is like a proper scene here. Yeah. Gridiron Queensland and um, Gridiron Australia. So the sanctioning bodies. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I couldn't. I know there's a few teams. There's one of the Gold Coast, Stingray is pretty good. That's the dude that they played in the final. They played. The yeah, Sting Stingray. Yeah, they're yeah. usually pretty and they good. Won, yeah. So they're one of the teams on the Gold Coast. So they get a lot of cashment of like kids on the coast. Yeah. Okay. I think there's maybe six to eight in Brisbane. I'm not sure 100 percent where they are now. I don't have a lot of affiliation with them, but um, it's it was growing a little bit. I stagnant a little bit with a lot of guys going over. So like punters, it's heavy. 
Um, I know a guy named Nathan Chapman. He runs a big program, sending kids over, which is awesome. But because the punters um, is essentially what Australia is known for. Like yeah, if you're a, in the NFL, yeah, then it's like you've essentially been. Man, a punter. honestly, if I could, if I could go back in time, I would 110 percent be a punter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bro. like, I just used to remember when I'd be at Alabama, like practicing in, in the camp, but it's like 120 degrees and you know, I'm sweating and I feel I feel like I'm sprints. wearing sponges as shoes and I look over and I just like the punter's like asleep on the football bag over there and I'm like man I hate this Fuck guy this guy yeah but I'm like if I have a cat tattoo on the field though I'm like I'm about to crush this dude yeah yeah but if he fucking he can win the game for you yeah I'm saying but and I've been on the wrong side of that of a few kickers losing some games for us so it's it's high pressure and their yeah dude health is at risk drastically <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but I think Gridiron Australia will never really get a lot better because nah, it's the people that run it yeah and there's not a lot of kids that are pushing it you know like when even when I was playing like we would have like 10 kids out there you know and like we'd have like 11 people watching the game mm. and maybe 8 would be some of the family um, and people would drive by and just like we'd get more people drive by and stop like more like what whoa what's, what's going on out here yeah. you know what I mean like are you guys allowed to be out in the park um, but it it'll take time there's, there's a few more guys over there in the US now and there's a few more imports and like random leagues probably I'm in Europe and stuff like now they're coming back and a few coming over here so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I I don't have a huge effective sort of position in, in helping and growing it or anything like that. Is that something that you'd like want to do or it's like honestly I did, but the people that run it here, yeah, okay, yeah, they butt heads with people that think like I think I would think yeah. um, is the simplest way to put it. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of stuff they do. I think a lot of people here they do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It has nothing to do with football. It has everything to do with people and the perception of them being a part of it. And powerful. Like I would go to the yeah. games and I'll watch it and I would see some of the kids and I worked with some of the kids. I didn't work with a, lot, a large chunk of them like training wise. And I would see a lot of them like, yo, this kid is dressed out here like a damn East Bay catalog. Like he's like, they got the cleats, he got the arm sleeves, he's out there completely, yeah. no dirt on him at all. You know what I mean? But then making no plays. Yeah. And I would go out, it's like the quietest game of football ever. Like there's no hitting, it's like so soft and it was disappointing so I was just like oh uh, in my position or the way I played football was exactly the opposite of that so I don't yeah. think I could have like and I'm a pretty black and white person you know what I mean like if it's not working this way we've got to do it this way you know so but in saying that when my son gets older or something like that and if he wants to play then yeah I'll, I'll come down and I'll be that old dude coach and I'll tell the kids that like oh, I used to do lots of things and stuff as well but back in my day yeah. it's like oh, so I used to crush skulls as well it's so I feel like if you like walk around with like all those rings though and be like make a fucking well, that, play <laughs> well that's the only like, thing I just go down there and coach the whole time with my Seattle jersey and, and helmet on <laughs> with all the rings just walking around pointing out people but uh, it, it's weird because that like that stuff has like hardly any effectiveness here like yeah, but that's what's it's crazy. That, it's that Australian like mentality of like, oh, you're doing really good, cool. Oh wait, well, that's too good though. Like, yeah, no, 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 pull that back a little bit. Uh, especially like when I do always doing stuff with Seattle and stuff like that. Like, I would think that most people here would adopt that and be like, yeah, that's fucking. This guy's amazing. representing yeah. us. That's awesome. But it was the exact opposite, man. It was like fall on deaf ears. So when I come back, all the people that doubted me going over, yeah, they want to get pictures and stuff now, but. Like they don't want to like there's no continued support in any way like even when I was over there it's just like you get a handful of people like oh yeah I, I remember that guy yeah but also in saying that I wasn't the nicest player while I was here I'm a very aggressive person generally so if you were against me playing on the football field of course you won't have a, you won't have a good perspective of the person I am 
But if you know me, then you'd yeah, you'd be a bit different. That, that's the crazy thing, and like that's what was it's cool for me with this podcast with you now is that I lived over there for so long, and I've watched so many games of football in it. I will, I'm like the guy that is a now full convert. Like I get it. I've watched so much football that I know what what's up, and it's like I just I know how underappreciated you are as like an athlete and as a dude that achieved what you achieved. Like to me, it's fucking completely mind-blowing mm-hmm. like it's so mind-blowing that a fucking aboriginal Torres Strait Islander dude from fucking Australia has a Super Bowl ring won two national college champions like that to me because I get it like I understand what that means and there'll be everybody listening to this podcast that like doesn't understand how fucking gnarly it is that you did what you did and it's like so to me it's cool because I, I can like geek out because I do I do get it if that makes sense yeah, and honestly, like, I think I spend most of the time here trying to, like... Educate people. Yeah, yeah, not even really educate, just, like, try and show them, like... Man, like, I would go on Keynote. I do a lot of speaking around. I wear Super Bowl ring. And most people I see, like, oh, what's that? I'm like, fucking what's Super that? Bowl I'm ring. like, okay, like... The know, hardest thing I'm in like, the world to okay, get. Well, I'm like, this is going to be hard to explain, but... Yeah, so, like, the biggest sporting stage, like, in the world. Like, even National Championship of College, I'm like... That has, like, hundreds of millions of people watch the game. I'm like... Yeah. Like, not only is that a huge thing, but I did it twice and then got drafted to the NFL. So it's off from, from where I came from and, a, you know, low, I wouldn't say super low, but, you know, a socio, low socioeconomic status household in Brisbane with not a huge hope of going to university here and or not really on the radar being a young indigenous person in Brisbane to really go out there and I guess have the dreams or the aspirations that I did. Yeah. My dad says it a good lot. He's just, you know, he, we come across people all the time that have dreams, hopes, aspirations, all that stuff like that. But it's not a lot of opportunity you get in life to, to see those people that have been doing it for so long and actually achieve them um, and then do stuff from there as well to continue. And that's what I've been trying to do the whole time. And it's it, it falls like it falls a lot of deaf ears in Australia, low effectiveness yeah. talking. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to explain to people like, man, it's crazy. Like, you know, Nick Saban, like he's very close to me and like, like people are like oh Nick Saban I'm like okay yeah it's like cover of Forbes magazine you know like best selling books like one of the best coaches to ever coach football and yeah. will be until the end of time um, so it's hard to like grasp the relativity for a lot of people like I yeah. said before the show I was like man we'd, I'd post pictures and when I was just out of high school and I was in, in I went to the University of Alabama first spring practice is like almost 100,000 people there I take a picture and people post and talk to me like I'm playing the NFL like I'm getting paid I'm like yo like, this is a fucking college yeah I'm like bro. this is practice like these hundred thousand people are watching me practice trip over these people watching me run sprints like they're watching me on the sideline just drinking like chatting like you know what I'm saying like and then you would never like get any comprehension from people here when like you go to a Broncos game and like I could yell across and like my mate on the other side would hear me if I yell yeah, at him yeah. over there like I would get stopped everywhere I would be you know, I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with a group of Alabama guys. Like, we've done it. I've been to the White House three times. Oh, no shit. I met Obama. I did everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's hard to show that relativity so without being remote. a dickhead, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. I don't want to be like, well, here's this list. Read this before I finish the conversation and uh, we'll give you two and a half minutes and yeah. then, then we'll continue, you know? Like, yeah. I never really go into it with that, like, mentality. Like, I have to prove it to anyone like that. I think I've done what I've done. I use certain things to get that there and I still to this day continue to do that. And that's the biggest thing with me is just like, yeah, there was awesome, all that stuff like that, but it was almost like a separate life. 
Yeah. When I come back to Australia, yeah, I'm like, feel bizarre. I'm like, I'm like nobody. It was like, I go to the store and like, I, know, I might get stopped every now and again. Most of the time it's just like people like, people just think I'm like a bikey and I'm going to like steal their watch or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> even like watches. We're going to get some wallets though. You know what I mean? But it's just, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's a weird situation. Yeah. That would without be so seeming weird. like everywhere I go, I got to tell people all the stuff I've done. Like yeah. where would I, you go see Darren Lockyer and like the dude is like, you know, they're rolling carpets out for, yeah. for him rolling around. And I see him at Woolies in, in Brisbane. Um, and no offense to him, he's a great dude and he's achieved amazing things, but it's like very similar comparison in regards to like some of the stuff that we've done in the US. Yeah. But I could never explain that or bring, or have the audacity to like demand well, like the you, respect. Yeah. And it, like you couldn't walk up to him and like effectively your peers in terms of like yeah. elite level sporting. Oh athletes, man, when, like, I see him at the Broncos. He, he wanted to get a photo with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I used to watch him when I was a young kid and I went to the, I went to the opening night for Broncos a few years ago with my dad. And he was like, oh, yeah, there's all this Lockie over there. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And then him and Webkey came up to my dad and asked if they wanted to get a photo with me. <laughs> that's so sick, eh? And um, yeah, it's crazy. And people people don't know half the stuff that, or half the people that hit me up to do stuff. Yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? But it would be, it, it would be so weird to like be on such like a superstar level over there and there's just like no fucking relevance in Australia at all. Like Honestly, it'd be bizarre. When I was playing, it was good because I'd come back here and I'd just ghost drop off the radar. It, yeah, it would be, I could see it being fucking amazing during like the heat of it mm. because then you'd be like, oh, I just get to like kind of chill. Yeah. Well, we like, a great example is we had the the Super Bowl and then we won and we did the parade where like a million people came out in downtown Seattle. It was like, hectic it was, it was huge like huge in seattle on that super Bowl. man it was like world war z you know it's people yeah I, I had two gopros and i was running around i was like this is hectic there was people climbing trees hanging off buildings trying to get our attention like it blew my mind that a million people like the population of the city like doubled in the day and then the next few weeks i came back to australia and i was like like Just i haven't seen a single like three people congratulated me on like being there i'm like cool man you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just like completely polar opposites. You know, I can still go back to Alabama now. Like, well, and my name is carved in the stone on the Walker Champions in front of the stadium. And it would still have relevance. I could go over there and I'd walk into the facility, go yeah. meet everyone. Here, there's no like, and I want, I, I, I mean, I put on so hard for where I'm from. Like, like I said before, man, 4170 in Brisbane, I got it tatted on my neck. Yeah. Like, I, I, I know where I came from. I know the people that raised me. I know where I was coming from but when i come back i mean there's no love yeah and i feel bad not so much for me like i don't really care like i didn't really do it to come back and like be the man but i feel bad for everyone else that goes out and does all the stuff that they can achieve and do it yeah. and, and, and get no love from the people that are supposed to be there for them yeah um at least by geography yeah. you know what i mean like we want to claim ben simmons and he was here for like all of like you know a year in his whole life um and there's not, not just me but there's other dudes in the nfl like Adam Gottes of the Broncos and half the guys that were there before this wave of NRL players that yeah. they need those props man like they they struggling they doing stuff they, they, they need the country on them to, to help them get through a lot of stuff like I needed it but yeah. it, it wasn't there What's well, it? I think that that's something that um, like I didn't realize when I went to America how much I'd miss home and like how much I'd want support and like there was definitely parts of me that like wanted people to be like dude it's fucking crazy you're over there like because it's like the hardest place in the world to make it mm. like to make it in america 
is a fucking grind, bro. Like yeah. that is the that is the snake pit. Mm. Like it's so fucking competitive to make it over there. And like I found, my, and I wasn't even trying to play in the NFL, but I found myself like wanting people to be like, "Fuck, good on you, bro!" Like you're over there, you're doing it, you know. Because I was like, once I got there, I was like, dude, it's so hard. There's so many people that want what I want, and are just like. They've got their family there. They have no more people. They got connections. They're like, they got this support network and then you're over there alone. So it's like, I definitely get, I get it. And then I, I get how it would have even been gnarlier on your end to be like, I want some fucking love people. Like I need this shit, man. It's and it not was, for ego, but just for like a full yeah. support thing. I'm just like to keep you going. No, I, I felt that as well. And like, and I represented a huge group of people for my culture as well. Um, and it was a very similar situation. I think that it's not really for like affirmation or confirmation of stuff I was doing. Like I knew what I was doing. It's just that when I'm over there and like you said, man, I'm, I, I did it, you know, by myself for a long period of time. I went to Juco, I, you know, with my so family. So you did Juco even? Yeah, before you man, got to Alabama. To retrace back before I went over there. Fuck bro, uh, Juco's no joke. Bro, so Juco, sorry, junior college. Junior so you like so Last Chance You, bro. If you watch that, you get it right away. People are like, oh man, you watch Last Chance You. I'm like, no, I, I was Last. I Chance lived U. it. I only yeah. did it once. I'm not trying to redo that again. Fuck. So I went to. Um, so explain what. So explain. Let's explain the system of like, if you want to be an NFL player, like, how does the whole system work? Before we get into the Juco story, because well, you got to give people some. Context. You got to be at least six five. Um, nah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a few ways from high school. So there's like, I think the percentage now is 0.003% of everyone that plays high school football makes to the NFL. 232 people drafted every year. So that's pretty low odds out of a, you know, a general population. 300 of like million. 300 million people. It's like and 330 now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And when you go to LAX trying to get through the thing, you realize, yeah, I think 330 is in the building right now, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> um, and there's, man, if every movie, high school football, it's everything. So you can only imagine how many, and there's thousands, hundreds of thousands, there's probably millions of schools in the US. Bro, and the thi- like every fucking, like I used to go watch like, um, like peewee football games yeah. and stuff with like my, my friends, kids and stuff over yeah. there. Like every fucking kid in Everyone. America plays football. Yeah. That's the first choice. Yeah. No matter, no matter what state. And then they like have alternating seasons. So it's like you play football and then you play baseball mm. and then maybe you play basketball, basketball as well. Yeah. If you want of those dudes, but yeah. it's like, that is like the big three and every fucking kid plays it. And every single parent, every single kid wants their kid to go to the NFL. Like this is like being on the, like if you make an NFL team in America, you are like, you've, it's probably easy to be an astronaut and that's no, joke. it's probably, it's probably more the better odds to win odds, the lotto. Yeah. For sure. Better odds to win the lotto. You know what I mean? In, in the situation that is now, like, man, it's wild with social media. The recruiting landscape is... It's like global yeah, now it's too. Wild. Oh, man, they're picking up... Our, I tell kids all the time, they're like, oh, even in Australia, I'm like, oh, how do I get recruited out here? I'm like, be good. Yeah, be, be amazing. Be undeniably good. If people see your highlights and they're like, wow, okay, you're a foot ahead of most other kids already. You know what I mean? So it's 2019. They're finding kids in Africa on YouTube. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's real. But so I think once you go from high school, you can either go to like a prep school for another year. And if you got no grades, go there. I went to Juco because my grades didn't qualify for division one because I didn't do like a language other than English in high school. Uh, Okay. So you can, so if you're like one of those special kids, you can get a, 
a scholarship straight out of high school to a division one school. Yeah. 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 So it's a long, you, that, then you can go straight to a four year school, sort of build whatever foundations there through there. But if you go to JUCO, it's a, it's a lot tougher because you go to a different school and JUCO is like the melting pot of all the really good athletic kids, but kind of really bad kids. Yeah. They're from like fucked up yeah, backgrounds so like, and gangsters. Yeah. Either they're like, yeah, it's either gang related education, their behavior, like criminal record, like all that sort of stuff like that. So, so Ju- Juco is where the kids go. They're like kind of fucked up, but they got like a lot of talent and they're still promised to like, like make the, the NFL. second chance club. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're there and they know they're there to get out. So the competition is like Fierce. sky high. Yeah. And I, I went there the same, man. Like I, coming from Australia, like eyes wide open. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come over and it's going to be like cool or whatever. I came over. I'm like, I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm going to crush anyone's throat that gets in the way of doing that. And I'm not going to stop until either my legs are gone or they're carrying me in a box back to Australia. And so, so, so did you go, did you do high school in the States or so you just went straight to yeah, just finished high school. And then I worked three jobs, hungry jacks, aim out all sports. And I did landscaping, um, that wasn't in the books, but don't yeah. tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then I actually worked a little bit with my grandparents at a cleaning company, like cleaning late at night. Yeah, right. So between me and my family, we you know, we put money together and I wasn't even on scholarship, man. Like who was going to give a kid so from Australia? So you just show? paid to go to Juco? Yeah, so they, they said- That's fucking so crazy, I played for I played for an Australian team and um, I played against New Zealand in this World Cup qualifier thing and played really well and got MVP. And one of the coaches that came over for the camp was from this Juco. And he was like, you know, if you come and pay your way, we'll see how you go and all stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, that's a chance. You know, it's a, a, a an inch of opportunity. So yeah. speaking with my family, I was like, all right, we'll do this work and get get some money and get ready to go over. So we went over with like $275 duffel bag full of clothes and coach Jerry Dominguez and his phone number written in my passport. Went over there in Yuma, Arizona, which is sort of like where LA... Cal, um, where California, Arizona, and Mexico meet. So yeah, yeah. not a mad spot to be in at, by any chance. Um, near some of the like El Gidonas were some of the biggest like portals for like yeah, the, the Mexican cartel shit, yeah. in the world. Um, so dude, there's a gas, I don't know like where exactly it is, but there's like a gas station right like probably like two hours before Phoenix. And it's like, you can literally, there's a fucking the gas station and then it goes down the hill a bit. And the big brown a, wall. Yeah. Fence, <laughs> yeah. And then there's fucking Mexico. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm so gnarly. Man, I've driven from, from Arizona to LA so many damn times. When you drive to Mexicali and all sort of stuff like yeah. that, like you, you, I see more border patrol cars than I see normal cars. Fuck you know yeah, what I mean? So like I mean, people in, don't know what's real. People like, dude, I've been in jail in El Paso. Oh, well, the you, border control. Oh, you, you know it's, it's, it's you know what's real. <laughs> so you've done that route before, yeah. all right? Um, but then yeah, from there, so it's a a good football program at the time. Terrible place to live and rough, yeah, rough, rough place and, and hot as balls. Man, I think it's in the Guinness Book of World Records for most calculated sunlight per year. The sun was coming up at like three in the morning, going down at like nine thirty. It was blowing my mind, man. Really? I would FaceTime my family at like nine at night. I'm like, yeah, it's still sunny outside. Like, I was mad tan. I like I lost thirty pounds because I was eating um, ramen noodles and fresh air every day, because <laughs> um, that's all I could afford. But then from there, I went over no scholarship, and they were like, if you play good, we'll we'll put you on scholarship for the next year, and then see how you get recruited. So I did the whole season, balled out. I was lucky enough. I was by the end of that season coming into the next season I was the number one player in the whole of America in, in Juco in Juco yeah Fuck or yeah. in recruitable athletes that's high school and junior college okay 
So I was the number one player. I was five star. I was everyone. So then, so how do they work that out? Like they, they, they because it's like weird rankings over there. Right? They have like committees mm. that that will like sit and then rank the teams and then athletes. Right? Yeah. So the, it was through like rivals and a few other websites that do a lot of the rankings. It's based on it has nothing to do with the school or your record. Like you could be a trash team. It helps if you can play a part in that. Yeah. But it's like your size, speed, your stats, and stuff. Like that. And like I was out there just more yeah i was yeah i was going pretty hard uh, my first year and um you know we did pretty well too so it always makes it look better were you always a defensive tackle um yeah most of the time in australia i dabbled in like anything because that's just how it is like play tight end played middle linebacker played center played guard played everything like it's that's just you know the nature of having nine plays yeah on a team yeah um but then from there i was then recruited by everybody so like Nick Saban, Joe Paterno from Penn State who passed away, Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron when he was at USC, like every single coach on earth like came out to see me um, as they would, oh, I guess, be number one. It's like a movie, bro. Oh, it's exactly. Like, I, I tell people it's like the blind side. You know, when everyone just comes to try and talk to you and stuff like that. But I was the only one there and I didn't know any of them. Like Nick Saban came and I'm like, Who's Nick guy? Saban, I'm like, who yeah. the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? Like he flew in a private jet to come see me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll chat with him. That's fucking, isn't that crazy that you're like literally eating fucking noodles and like just like struggling to get by and some dude flies from Alabama in a private jet. <laughs> Holding this just, golden ticket, man. Just to like- Hey, I got one for you, you know? You take one tour of the, the chocolate freaking factory. That's um, that's kind of what it's like, eh? Hey? Oh, 100%. And you, that's, that's the only reason you're a Juca. You're not there to go to school. <laughs> oh, but that, you, that's part but of you it. Did have to keep. Yeah, you have to. Grades, yeah, right? yeah, hundred percent. At least uh, I think it was two point three at the time when it was there, which is above a C average. But you're there to get out. You know what I mean? And that's the attitude you get to go into it. And I was just lucky enough that my roommate at the time was from South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, and uh, he was helping me sift. So I had a huge whiteboard in my dorm, as as these already small dorms. This this room's probably bigger than um, the dorm we had. No shit huge whiteboard and I split it up had teams and then I had pros and cons like and it was like for me it was just like you know, coaches schemes like what sort of players and all that sort of stuff on there and it was just like at the start I was like oh, I had University of Hawaii Alabama this 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 and then by the end of the week stacked whiteboard 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 man I was boxes of handwritten letters from coaches like that's so nice. I was like man please be like some scratchies or some money or something in here man like you yeah. know it's crazy people want you so bad I'm like oh I'm not here starving but you know yeah we can come next year and play um but then I played like get me out now <laughs> yeah I'm like oh I'm ready to go like if this is, I feel like it, it, I'm in daycare or something like yo I'm, I, I need to get out of here and then from there um yeah, so I, I ended up playing another year, finished as like one of the number top players in the country, all American, all that sort of stuff. Then getting ready to choose where I went. Took some trips around, ended up decided, oh, I had I had two choices. So it was go to a small school, like at the time, which would be like a UCLA, USC, Oregon, and be the man, be that guaranteed dude. Yeah. Or go to Alabama and literally have to earn every time I touch the field every day nonstop. And knowing me and the path and stuff, I was like, man, this is just adds the story and this is just the, yeah. what I'm about. So I chose Alabama. Um, and I chose Alabama. Big, a big reason was the town of Tuscaloosa, which is like, man, one Crazy. of my... Yeah, man, absolutely wild place. One of my favorite places on planet Earth to this day to go to. Isn't it crazy how those fucking college towns are like 
built or like Tallahassee is the same like dude I remember flying to Tallahassee so the most famous motocross rider of all time lives in Tallahassee so we fucking we had to go film book the flights and I'm just like this is gonna be the most boring week of my life right and then uh, so we get there and then I'm driving like we're driving through the town I'm like it's pretty fucking nice here dude like I didn't think Tallahassee would like be like this but because it's Florida State it's like the pl- it was fucking crazy dude. and the girls that were Florida, there Florida State the I had the opportunity to go to Florida Lassies, State bro. like and one of the reasons I didn't go down there because people get lost dude uh, you can get lost you in get, the sauce there dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, like. yeah more than the sauce down there um, <laughs> but yeah it's, it's wild like I think but Alabama they build these whole towns oh, man on these colleges oh, Alabama's the stadium holds 110,000 but on any given game day that the town's population fluctuates up to like 700,000 yeah man. yeah and then everyone's like tailgating yeah. like all the parties like Georgia's the same like people don't understand that Athens man it's yeah. fucking the whole town like we, we used to go to Athens when football games were on yeah. and just like fucking party like it was oh. legit what you see in movies like every frat house like there was just a swarm of people the oh, yeah. game's going in the stadium that holds 100,000 people yeah. and then you're just like rolling through town and just like walking um, into these frat houses people don't understand like I try and tell people like we were getting ready for practice on Thursday night and people already parking at the stadium like getting their stuff set up Thursday it's so gnarly like everything happens Thursday night Friday night Saturday everyone's like like I don't think people sleep like I didn't know what the lifestyle was like I was playing the whole time like I'm in the hotel looking outside like what are all these people doing out there like, that looks fun you know what I'm saying and it's like it's just I can't, I can't even I can't even ex- describe it to people and my family couldn't even really get it until they came and were like what they were walking the through fuck? and it was just like people screaming like people barbecuing on like trucks like yeah, on the tailgate yeah that are like driving with TVs on the back you know people like you go like I said I compare it to whatever's professional here I go to the Broncos or Lions and I'm like and I live close to the Gabba and I'm like if I lived that close to the Gabba like I lived next to Brian Denny like there is no way in hell that I would be able to live there no like, like it would be too loud too busy just swamped to people non-stop like it's pretty much you're taking the shoelace express you're walking everywhere on game day because everywhere's closed man yeah like unless you're trying to drive on the outskirts of town nowhere else in in downtown you're going to get around um but like i said an extra five hundred thousand people flood in a, into town yeah in a town that isn't on. really i guess made to hold that um but i loved it man i love the state of alabama i love the people in alabama i i think that's like well, most of my adult life was based around Alabama, so it's it's like the closest thing to like, feel like my home. home. Yeah, 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 my yeah. home. Um, and the people there, they're still there to this day. But then, yeah, then from there, I I, I went and enrolled into that sort of stuff and kickstarted my journey there. I was lucky enough to to go into a team of extremely extremely good athletes and extremely good coaches. Um, and again, same situation. I had to work extra hard because I wasn't supposed to be there yeah I wasn't as fast as anybody I wasn't as strong as anybody but I knew that I was going to work harder than everybody and I did that um and it, it paid off I started every game really I started every game in Alabama that's sick from day one and then yeah we went on to win two national championships started national championships played did everything you know parades sports illustrated ESPN everything um and like I said I was lucky enough to be around some amazing amazing men and women on my journey through the through the university of alabama and um who are still there you know like nick saban all those sort of guys and then yeah then from there i actually uh tore 
a few things in my knee in the SEC championship, we which in the first quarter took a quarter off, come back in the third quarter, and end up like playing a big role in us winning. And then we went to national championship. We win the, the last national championship there, but that knee messed me up to get drafted into the NFL oh, a few really? months after that. So then um, I was actually projected uh, top five defense interior defensive lineman for the whole draft. So like I was like late first second third guaranteed I fell to the fifth round because of my knee and some other stuff that I can't guarantee and then it was like I said then from there it's all part of my my story my path and then yeah I was lucky enough to get picked up with a again an amazing group of men and women with the Seattle Seahawks John Snyder Pete Carroll like the guys I had on my team were unbelievable it was an unbelievable group of I guess veteran players as well as young players Mm. as well I um, mean, then yeah, because we man, were, you had like Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson, like that's Cam fucking, Chancellor. Yeah, Cam Chancellor. Um, we had everyone, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, dude. Fuck, man, I can't even. Man, we had. You go down and name that team, like yeah, like Sydney Rice's. Even the guys coming in with me were good as well. There was a lot. There was a lot of guys on that team. What's the pro? Like, what was the process of being drafted? Like, so like terrible, really. Yeah. So how does it work? Like, and what do you know? Like going on behind the scenes. And so I'm guessing you had to have like an agent and shit. Yeah. Like that so as like well. when you finish, so as soon as the national championship ticks over and we won, I'm no longer, uh, an, I guess, an amateur athlete. You sign with the agent right after that because you've had a few meetings before that under the supervision of the university. Are they good with that sort of shit? Because, like, mm. one of the big things with the NFL is, like, the money that you make out of college and, like, dudes just go broke pretty much. Like, there's a big problem in the NFL. Because so what's the – there's, like, a two – is there, like, a two- or four-year contract where you can't make, like, retarded money? Yeah, yeah. It's and then changed you- a lot now. So the new CBA changed a lot. So it came down to, like, stock money. So the only big chunks of money you made was, like, signing bonuses or other stuff around it. So it created almost an even playing field and you have to, like, earn getting through. Um, but then from there, it's just like getting drafted was like as soon as you stopped playing. And because people don't understand this, the season is long. The draft, the combine, all that stuff, those dates don't change. Yeah. So if you play in the national championship, I think I only had four weeks to get ready to do it. Well, these other teams have finished, they had eight, oh, ten weeks to yeah, get ready. Yeah, because you've played like all yeah, the all and We've the been playing, so we're all banged game. up. So we literally have to like the next day, like after recovering, you start training, start getting ready. Like, we got to perform at the highest level in front of the world, essentially. Like we got to get ready to go. Um, and then you go through all that sort of stuff, go to the, if, if you get invited to the combine, go to the combine, do all the workouts. Teams will come and work you out in person, um, which I did a bunch, you know, they just come and like run you to the ground, man, like just wild stuff. And then they'll put you on the board, which is like get a whiteboard and then just be like, draw a player, draw a zone, defense, if it's on this, this and this two tight ends you know stacked whatever and you have to draw in sort of your position because the big part is people don't understand like you have to know a lot about mm. a lot of other positions as well because you're playing together. you gotta anticipate what they're gonna do well you just have to know like you can you can cause some some drama if you don't know what a lot of other people are doing um and it just makes you smarter football player yeah um but then yeah going from that you sort of um yeah then just have to meet with the team see what they think a lot of different teams per what you what you're good at what sort of player you are where you fit people don't understand that it's like the best player doesn't get picked first Mm. and like the worst player doesn't get picked last 
it's all a, it's situational. Yeah, you know because what I mean? of like, what teams need. Yeah, what like, teams need. Like if you're plus the best, then there's like trades where guys are like yeah. teams are trading for different picks. People and, are always like, oh man, like oh this dude's not even that good. He's at number three overall. I'm like, yeah, but a team might have wanted him for a different reason that they're not going to put on the internet or that you can't see. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a wild. There's so much stuff that happens in that time. And it's for an Australian person being over there. And I had nobody over there. It's just me and my Asian. And I was just training nonstop. That's all I did. I was like, I didn't care when I got drafted or whatever. I just needed to be ready when I got into camp. Mm. So that's all I did. Train and he did a lot of stuff. And then draft came and they called my name. Like, man, I just, I literally was, well, the, the draft was on. I was, I was working out. I was, really? in, I was, I was in the University of Alabama. I was training with my boy. And then on the third day, when he got lunch, we worked in my phone call. They were like, oh, hey, it's it's John Snyder from South Seahawks. I'm about to pick you. I'm like, cool, man. Like, let's go. Fuck. That's and he's like, yeah, we'll put, we'll put Carol, we'll put Pete Caroline. So like, everyone's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool, man. Like, yes. So cool. they try and make like a big song and dance. About yeah. I'm just like, man, like, let's go. I'm like, let's just I'm like, book it, the yeah. flights. Like, I'll come up tonight. Um, it wasn't like that. Like, it was like three days later we came up and had mini camp and that sort of stuff. And then from there, that's when I started sort of yeah you have no role in in who picks you or like why or like i said it's so situational and you have no part of that that's got to be such a crazy time because you could end up going to fucking cleveland yeah well i was originally you know i was, I was originally supposed to get picked by um the chargers oh, that right be before cool. yeah and then um seattle traded up, up in front of them and they got me I was like, man, I was like, if only, but San Diego is a nice place. I loved it. And I went and worked out there. I knew a lot of players out there. San Diego is cool, but like that wasn't the best football team. No. You ended no. up being, yeah, no, ended up yeah, working out. It was a better situation. Um, San Diego is a beautiful city. Yeah, yeah. I love like La Jolla and stuff like that. Oh, dude, so good. Yeah. Is that where most of those guys live? I think the ones that, it's a, it's a pretty far drive to where their facility yeah, is, yeah. but a few do live out there. Um, yeah, it's a nice place though. Seattle's, I love Seattle though. Yeah, Seattle is sick. You know the most fucking, who was it? I can't remember whether I was saying this on the, no, I wasn't saying it on the podcast. I was talking to one of the homies from uh, the States. He'd come over here recently. And so we filmed a, a recording, like a band record an album in Seattle, uh, in Portland actually. And uh, and that whole like area, they're all like, um, oh, Portland has the best beer in the world. Uh, and I'll be like, where else you been? You been to Germany? <laughs> they invented beer. Yeah. No, no, I haven't been to Germany. And I'm like, all right, so you don't know who the fuck has the best beer in the world? But like that whole area, they're so like into their own shit. Yeah. Like it's, they've got such a cool little yeah. like vibe that they've got that, going that on that where it's like all about Seattle. Yeah, that Pacific Northwest life, bro. Yeah. Like, hey, it's mad cloudy up there so they don't get to see much else, you know? So they're, and Portland's are, interesting place like, to say so, to say the least yeah. you know what i'm saying but i loved it man see i had like super good vibes and like real nice people it's super techy like modern place like yeah. fashiony um and it, I, yeah i just liked i enjoyed the time there in just in the city um but yeah i Did think you live like downtown like you stayed in the no city so or? i i stayed close to the facility the facility was in renton which is not at the stadium yeah, okay. yeah so people always get that mixed up like most facilities uh, it's probably like 60-40 in the NFL. The facilities aren't even at the stadium. Yeah, they've like, got like their own. Yeah, we only went to the stadium like once a fortnight maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you maybe played one game. But we all lived out in Renton, which is good. Like the traffic was wild in Seattle. There's no no traffic yeah. like it in Australia. Like I-5 and 405, it's like LA, but yeah, there's less highways. So they have the 
405. Yeah, it runs all the way in. up there. So it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it runs all the way to like Vancouver or something. Yeah. It must turn into something else when it gets to Canada. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I-5 would be International 5. And oh. then I, yeah, International But doesn't it go from like Mexico to Canada or something? Probably. Yeah, well, I, I knew the 5 did, but I didn't think the 405 did. Dude, yeah, the 405 in LA is fucked. I used to live right off the 405. Oh, I lived on the 405 in Seattle. Oh, fuck that noise, dude. That's just man, a joke. Like, man. I would just sit out on the balcony, and I was far enough back where I could see it, but couldn't hear it. Yeah. So I'd just sit out there, and I'm just like, if I needed to go anywhere, I'd run out on the balcony and be like, damn, this is like traffic already. But you just get really good at the back ways. And that's what my parents noticed. But every time I get to a new place, I just drive around. I just drive and drive and drive. I might drive for like five hours. Yeah, you just like to learn. And I just rem- yeah, I just yeah. remember like, I'm like looking for landmarks or stores or things. Um, and it didn't take me long in Seattle. I was like back roads. Yeah. And I had a huge truck, man. And the exhaust was like loud. Loud as fuck. So like- What did you have? I had a lifted Chevy Tahoe. So yeah, I had an eight okay. inch suspension lift on a Chevy Tahoe with like, like I th- it wasn't 40s. It was just below 40s. But I was like, That's the exhaust was like, oh, it was my baby, man. I loved it. 5% tint. 30% tint windshield like <laughs> that was windows down to drive at night like it was hectic um, but I loved it dude like it was the yeah, American was typical yeah it was just like yeah get out the way you know like huge like 10,000 K like LED lights like it was wild so like driving the back roads man it was just like all you could hear is my exhaust just like smashing the down monster. this yeah the monster <laughs> um, but yeah then from there I was yeah it was a a good experience playing in Seattle and that sort of stuff but then man like sport had a bunch of injuries hurt my knee had nothing to do with anything but purely sports injuries like mm. it wasn't like I was just like you know doing backflips in the parking lot hurt my leg or like I was messing around it was just like just playing, playing football not looking man people are falling on the ground all the time people falling into people get hurt get hurt it's a lot of so, big bodies moving around at the same time. Well, people don't understand. Like, if I'm playing a double team, I'm holding on to two guys. If someone hits me, like, I still got two guys trying to crush me while yeah. someone else comes and falls into me. Like, and it happened so much in my position. Like, honestly, I'm surprised it happened less to me before that situation. And then from there, it was disappointing, I think, mentally, because I was touted pretty good. And, like, anytime we played camp or anything like that, like, I was balling out. Like, I was, I was doing really well. Um, Because if I wasn't, I wouldn't have been there for three years. Yeah. There's no way in hell. Um, And then... uh, You're so expendable at the NFL. It's fucking crazy. You blink, you're gone, man. Your stuff's stuff's packed up in a box already. Yeah. Um, And then after the Super Bowl and then the loss of the Super Bowl, we come back for the third season at OTAs. Did you play many snaps for the Seattle at all? Nah, just because of my knee. Yeah, right. Well, I hurt both. One, one year. One, the second year. Man, it was like... But they saw so much potential yeah, like, that they kept you kept What you I on. try and explain to people is like, <laughs> when I was playing, I was bowling. But I kept getting these random... And it wasn't like I was hurt every week. It was just two big injuries mm. that hit me. But I was... Like the person I was, I was like overcoming. I'm like rehab back as hard as I could. Came back mad strong. Third year, I'm like, yo, ball out year. So I get ready with off-season camps. I come out playing great i'm doing really well everything feels good like i've put so much extra effort into literally everything i mean like the literally the best shape of my life at the age of 24 i was probably 310 pounds which is much smaller than i am right now and just as good looking but like i felt awesome and then i'm like all right cool this is good this is going the right direction like 
coaches are happy they're stoked I'm playing well lots of stuff like that and then man I just start one day just start pissing blood and I'm like my oh this is wild I'm like I must be really dehydrated but I actually at the time like I told you the other day I was doing BJJ a lot through a group of guys um, at AMC in Seattle um, for all about just for football for grappling and moving and like throwing dudes like in regards to football and I was messing around with one of the guys while I was there and he actually need me in my side that day and I was like yo I'm like okay pump the brakes Bruce Lee you know so I'm like, whatever. So you did it on purpose or? No, it was just an accident. Just, yeah, like we just yeah. went the wrong way, but it yeah. it just like, he, he ended up kneeing me in my side, in the side where the kidney was. So I'm like, oh, whatever. And then I'm pissing blood the next day and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, okay. I'm like being the hard headed person I am. I'm like, I'll just leave it, man. I'm probably just dehydrated. Uh, in hindsight, if if anyone's listening that pisses blood for one day, go, go, to, the go to the hospital yeah. now. Um, and then yeah, I just kept going, kept going, kept training hard. And this was the off season, so I was going like yeah, I was fucking lifting in the morning, running, doing BJJ. I was like running again that night time. Then I was doing all my recovery protocol at night, like sitting in the sauna. I would like jump rope in the sauna for like an hour. I was doing everything. Dude, fuck you and jujitsu. That's a place that I never want to fucking go. I people always say that. People are like, man, I, I just don't. I just don't. People just that. don't want me on top of them. Fuck that. Like if I get on top, like. Yeah, it's, it's just gravity helping me more than oh, the technique over. you know yeah, what I mean like, and because and like I said I wasn't doing like a technical BJJ in regards to like a comp or using we, yeah. we never really used a gi but the stuff we were doing obviously like the, 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 the maneuvers how we do it like I was already so strong in my hands which I still am to this day from grabbing and throwing dudes playing football yeah that like I tell people I grab someone the only way they get out is if I let go yeah not if they like break out there's like no such thing like my hands it's hard enough for me just to open my hands let alone yeah. someone else get out um, so it played a, a big role in me just like yeah, yo, if I try and choke somebody out. like like I'm taking this with me and you can take whatever else you get out of it you know there's a different level like one of um, one of my mates um, Joey G he's a pro he's 6-0 heavyweight boxer and we got the mats here and he he was like he's been fucking around with some jiu-jitsu lately i think he's he would have maybe done like 12 sessions of jiu-jitsu like and he's he's a fucking athlete like he's olympic fucking boxer and shit and uh we rolled here and he he got like a a straight footlock kind of grip on me and i was like i was like i'm pretty good at defending those anyway and uh and the thing with that is like there's not a it's not going to be like a break. There's like, if someone gets like a Kimura, that can break mm. your arm, like yeah. arm bar can break. So I was like, ah, it's not really like a breaking pressure. So yeah. like, I'm, I'll just try and get out of it. Motherfucker. It was halfway up my leg and he ripped it on. And I legit thought my leg was going to break. And I had to fucking ice both sides of my leg from it. And like, there's just a different, like when yeah. you've got a legit athlete, like a big, strong athlete, yeah. it's, it's a different fucking game, dude it's wild man and like at AMC I was lucky enough um, that's where Demetrius Johnson fights yeah, out yeah that's of. what you were saying yeah that's so Mighty Mouse and like there's a flip side to being big and stuff like that and when you go against guys like Demetrius Johnson with it like could probably break your neck in like in a blink um, and it was just cool to be around guys like that I would watch him train and do stuff and like he would grapple with some of our guys and just like just handle them yeah put them in positions where well, no one's trying to be in. Yeah. Um, but it was wild, man. I, I love doing BJJ, not so much from like a a comp standpoint or anything like that, but I just, it's um, it's almost like a series of lots of little challenges over and over and over again. Yeah, and it's, so, it's solution making at like 
really pressure situations yeah. of like this is really painful like i need to figure out a way out of this like right now um and i was just lucky enough it was some good dudes like matt hume who's demetrius johnson's coach yeah, he runs a bunch yeah. of stuff in bangkok and all this and they were like man so humble about stuff like that and they were extremely extremely talented mixed martial artists and so having us come in and stuff like that and like dudes that just walk on the mats with like their shoes and stuff and like it was just <laughs> like it was like a different situation for a lot of the guys that like man they come from the hood or something like that like they don't know what bjj is yeah, and stuff sure. like that um but i loved it but then yeah so he kicks me and then i'm like oh it must be that i'm like oh just tough it out man like it's whatever so it's like a week gone. I'm like still doing. It. I'm like this is weird. I'm like fuck you. Piss blood for a week and oh, it gets it gets, gets a lot better. So after the week, I can start smell. My bathroom smells like I'm like cutting up steaks in the bathroom. It's blood. So I'll show you the picture, but after. Bro. And um, so then week two clicks along, and I start pissing clots of blood. I can hear it like chunks, like chunks. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oof. I'm like, this is wheel. I don't think I really want to do this anymore. So I go there. We're still training. I'm still. This is crazy because you've got access to like really good fucking doctors, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like in my head, I'm like, yo, if I, they're gonna think I'm weak because I'm out here pissing yeah, my own blood. I, I could. Yeah. <laughs> you know I what I'm could, saying? Like, yeah. is this really worth me telling them? Like in my head, I'm like, ah, I'd rather just pass out of practice than them find out through me. Yeah, telling. through like I'm um, I'm still here work. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I actually go to the trainers because we're still training every day. Like a very tough off season program. I go to the trainers, this guy's named Strick, and then I go, I'm like, hey man, I got a bit of like blood in my urine. And he's like, oh, cool, man, that's all right. He was like, just give us a sample and, um, you know, show us. I'm like, all and right, it's cool. like red. Right. I, again, I got another picture for that as well. But then I <laughs> I take the sample, I go back in there, and I, I, I'm like, oh man, here it is. And it looks like, like Coca Cola, but like with like sea monkeys, like of blood. No, dude. <laughs> and, um, Russell Wilson was actually getting stretched because before practice or workout. And uh, he's like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's just urine. He was like, what? He was like, from what? Yeah, he's like, what, well, yours? I'm like, yeah, just then. He's like, no way. I'm like, no way. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do you want me to show you, bro? I'm like, I can write your name on the grass out there if you want me to, you know? And then I showed Strick and they lost it, man. They were like, is that actually your blood? Like, honestly, like right now, that's your blood. I'm like, yes. Like, I just urinated in this. And he's like, sit down right there I'll be back in a second they're all running around calling an ambulance I was like calm down I was like I'll finish my workout and then I'll go to the ambulance after so I finished the workout I go lift weights come back ambulance is here put me in ambulance I'm like just sitting there like patiently like alright you know and then go over there they get tests and I think they originally thought it was like kidney stones or something and I was like okay um, this doesn't feel like that but alright I had no pain whatsoever it still felt good it was just like lots of blood and it wasn't like little droplets of red. It was like I cut my wrist into the toilet. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. And then from there, nothing happened that day. So I didn't get no tests, but some bloods and some scans, whatever. I go back to my house and I was like sitting at my bench on my computer. I was like typing away. And then I sat up. I was like, damn, my back is tight. I sat up to stretch my back and I just like pass out. Really? Yeah. And I, as you can tell, tattoos on my head or whatever, I got a pretty high pain tolerance. And this but like hit me like a bag of bricks, man. Like get up and I'm like looking for my phone. I'm like calling my boy. I'm like, yo, he lived two houses down from this in this estate. And I was like, we need to go to the hospital right I now. I need help. Yeah. Come and get me. Like, please tell me you're at home. He's got a little fast car, comes down, picks me up. And at this time, like I'm sort of like going to the shock. Not so much for like pain, it was more like 
I'm, I'm dying. I'm like, something's happening. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, for me to like lose my grip of what's going on, I'm like, something is seriously wrong. So he throws me in there, we get in the car and then like, I'm like in and out of consciousness driving there. I'm like going white. Cause I'm like, I'm like hyperventilating in my breath. I'm like, I can't yeah. like grab enough oxygen to like keep my eyes open. Like we get to the hospital, Bellevue hospital. And, and like I said, we drove on, on four or five and this dude was like, like doing 160 man in and out. Cause he's nervous too. He's like, Oh, yeah, somebody, like, like another player's going to die in my car. Yeah. I'm going to have to sell the car. Yeah. Um, and then we get to the hospital. He runs in there, grabs a wheelchair, like leaves it halfway and then like drags me on and throws me on, like runs me inside. And um, effectively, yeah, I guess saved my life. Um, one of my close friends, Jordan Hill still to this day. But from there, they started doing more tests and like, oh, we need to biopsy or stuff like that. And like, I was in pain probably for six hours. It felt like childbirth and no offense to no women. I don't think it's as bad as that. But <sighs> I, like, I, they gave me legally what the max amount of painkillers they possibly could. Man, I feel like that should be adjusted for someone that's just being <laughs> yeah, well, there, you know? Well, they said that's without getting like, you completely knocked out because they yeah. still needed to like talk to me and stuff yeah. like that. And I was like freaking ragged on around, man. I was just like, I couldn't, cause it was so deep inside me. I yeah. couldn't like track where it was. You know, as if you hit something, you're like, oh yeah. yeah. But it was like, <laughs> so inside me. I was like, organ pains. I'm like, something deal. is wrong. I'm like, I felt like this is like the movie Species and like my stomach was about to open up or something, you know? Yeah. And then from there, I, I end up staying there for a few hours. The doctors come and get me or whatever from Seattle, take me back to the facility, pain goes away. I'm like, all right, wake up the next day. Over the next week, I started going through tests like hardcore, biopsy like while I was awake, like huge needle in to take a piece of my kidney while I was awake. Uh, At this time, my my family's already on the plane. So they're they're already coming over like really? the, the next day. Yeah, it was like high alert, like I was dying. But Yeah, so, or they, in communication with the team and stuff like that, like it was- It, it was the team pretty cool. It like was like co- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah they played a huge role in, in I guess, that journey it was um yeah, it was red alert from day one as soon as they literally like no pun intended as soon as they saw the blood it was just like alarms in the head so then my family got in and i did what everyone does when they pick their family up in the u.s I took them to the outlet malls <laughs> <laughs> like man if someone's dying we gotta get some nikes at least right yeah, say, then, let's get, um, let's get we're gonna take some back as yeah. a memory yeah so we go and take them whatever and um i actually i'm um, waiting for the results to get in what's happening and um, I remember it so vividly, man. Like, oh, we were at Tulalip Malls, which is um, north of Seattle. They were in the Nike store. We were all walking in. I was like, oh, my phone's ringing. It says Dr. John Gore. I'm like, that's not good. So they, they went in and looking around or whatever. I answered the call. Got this strong American accent. And like, hey, hey, Jesse, Dr. John Gore here from the University of Washington. Um, it's like, uh, can you got time to talk? I'm like, Oh, so you were getting tested by like the University of Washington? Yeah, I did everything at University of Washington. So they're That's like they're crazy. like one of the best places yeah, in yeah. the US. And then um, he's like, "Oh, we got some some good news and the bad news." I said, "Oh, well, give me the bad news then." He then said, "We got the test back, and, and it is cancer. Yeah, it's uh, it's this really rare type of very very aggressive cancer. It's, it's uh, type two renal carcinoma." And he said, "It's um, it's it's pretty bad." I'm like, he said, it's completely crushing your kidney. So your kidney's essentially just getting crushed getting and not squeezed, doing anything. Yeah. So it was pure blood pretty much coming back because it wasn't filtering anything. And it was like the blood getting caught in the catchment. And like, I was just literally pissing blood. 
that's why the smell was so bad because it wasn't really mixed with urine it was just blood (laughs) um and then from there um he said the good news is we need to do surgery like this thursday and i think it was like a tuesday or wednesday and he said we need to do it like as soon as possible so he was like you can either take a piece of the kidney that's affected or take your whole kidney i said what's the quickest recovery he said take the whole kidney i said take everything you need to take yeah right. so and then i remember this was so cliche and it was like a movie i was sitting outside on the phone hearing this looking through the window looking at my dad like you good he was like what's up and i'm just looking at him like then everyone came out and we sort of like yeah did they my parents did the you know whole sort of my mom did the whole cry and like sort of get upset and i was like it is what it is i was like forget about it i was like let's just keep we kept shopping man i was like keep shopping do whatever like i'll figure it out when i gotta figure it out so we did that bought all the stuff and you know at this time like i was already losing weight pretty hardcore because i wasn't able to i wasn't allowed to train i wasn't like i had security on me man like i wasn't allowed to do nothing really yeah because if i was at a risk health wise like uh, that uh, well they they won't be liable yeah yeah, we're not gonna have a new die on the premises today you know what i mean so and then from there that wednesday we had a big meeting and um with this with the team and um we had to meet with the media people all the media outlets were all there like a big table and stuff and then we put together sort of what's going to get put out of like what's happening and then that afternoon that we're going to release everything and then man like it went pretty wild like i had to turn my phone i had had two phones at the time i had to turn my phone off like the whole day i was getting hit up from everywhere like people like in my primary school in brisbane were like hitting me up that was the only time where i felt i had any sort of support that's crazy from the country oh man it was wild and then like I was getting it from everywhere, every which angle. And it honestly, it made it a little bit harder. Um, not so much because I was like, oh, I didn't want the support, but it was just like, it put so much attention on me. So I was like, man, in my head, I'm like, man, now all these people are going to think I'm going to die. Yeah, I just I'm like, they're going to think I'm like weak because my, my kidney wasn't strong enough or something, you know, like, and, uh, I guess it was a bit of an immature way of thinking. Being saying, a young man. Like, you're pretty young at the time. Oh man, a hundred percent. I mean, like you're a professional athlete. I was like, that's the mindset you got. Like, man, I, I show no weakness. Like, this is not a porcelain vase. This is something made of steel, you know? So it was a bit like that. And it was tough reading a lot of the stuff because I would see the articles like when I was going into hospitals and all that, I'm like, yo, these, these, are, these are bad. I'm like, man, these people th- are saying this stuff's actually really bad, you know? So it was affecting me a lot mentally, yeah. but I was pretty like unshakable about anything. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't crying. I wasn't like, I was just like, I treat it like I had the flu. Um, and then when I was getting ready for surgery and I knew what the risk was of losing a major organ and or what happens whenever you go under for such a serious yeah. I was like, man, I was like, a, and I posted on my Instagram on the day. My dad was with me sitting in the prep room or whatever. And I said, take a photo of me real quick. Like anyone would, you know, like check my fit out real quick. And then um, he took a photo of me and I had no no um, emotion in my face. I looked straight down the camera like it, it did mean nothing to me. And uh, I actually posted saying, um, no fear in my heart on Instagram and on Twitter and stuff. And it just blew up, man. Like that was a picture that you used. And I still got that picture. And... Um, I think about it all the time and I went in there. I actually have a picture my brother took um, of me walking to the hospital because I treated it like a game day, man. I had a game day outfit. I was listening to music as I went in there. I said, no one talked to me, man. Like, let me get ready. Like, I'm going, I'm going to get ready to do this, you know? So I did all that, went in there and then it was actually a pretty funny situation. Um, I'm supposed to be in there for five days 
and uh, I went in for the surgery. My parents went off because it's a pretty long surgery taking the kidney out. And um, I get out, I wake up, I'm like, no one's around, the doctors or whatever, because it was like nighttime. My parents are going to come back in a few hours. I told them, like, oh, I need to get out of here. Like, I, like I can't, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not staying here. Like, you need to hear me. So I was like asleep for three hours. I wake up and I'm like, I'm going. Like, get whoever is the head person in here and then they will tell me what I have to do to get out. And he said, all right, you have to walk around the ward twice. You have to um, take the catheter out. Fuck, and that then, whole deal sucks. And then, um, and then you have to sit up out of bed without no one and get up. So before he finished sentence, I already rolled out. And I, because they cut through my core. Yeah. I have like 12, uh, I had eight little holes so that my core, like I couldn't get nothing. So like, it's hard to explain. It's like literally like giving birth. You have like a C-section. Yeah, they the cut through thing, it. So yeah. you, you can't like use your core to get up. So I rolled over like I was like, had nothing left popped myself up i was lucky my upper body was so strong popped myself up walked around the, the ward twice i was like cool what's next he said all right we'll we'll take the catheter out and that i think the having a catheter was the worst part if yeah, it was like cancer early. or catheter i'm like catheter side that's probably the worst situation yeah i was asleep when they put it in but i was wide awake when they took it out the going in is worse than coming out too I, i'm glad i was asleep but the going out, the lady was like playing tug of war, me and my, you know what I'm saying? And so I was like, okay, I was just like, uh, and pulled it out. And I was like, I felt it like up here somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I never want to be intruded like that ever again. Dude, I had, I got one done. <laughs> I got one done. So it's crazy. I got a fucking gnarly kidney story as well. I won't bore you. They're no it. good. They're always. Dude, it's fucking bad. <laughs> but yeah, I got to, I get to hospital in, um, in Adelaide. Like I flew home. I flew home from LAX to Brisbane. And I took like uh, two two Xanax and uh, fuck, what else did I take? I, I took like, two, yeah, two Xanax and two Valium. I fucking part. I was like yellow, dude. Like my kidney failed. Yeah. And I never knew at the time, but I only got one. So I thought I, I, thought I had two kidneys. Oh, you only have one I only, by birth. I was born with one. Oh, wow. And so it's That's like kind of similar, like, but I fucking elbowed myself in the ribs snowboarding. And like to like this old lady just fucking lost control. I was macking down a hill in Tahoe. And then I fucking basically jumped off the side of the mountain to like not kill this old lady. She was like full pink helmet to fucking skis. The <laughs> just whole like deal. locked stiff. Yeah, just down. fucked. And I was just absolutely moving. So I've like, I've avoided this chick and just cartwheel dude and got up and like the pain in the side of my fucking ribs same deal piss and blood whatever yeah. i stayed in in la for a month didn't go to the doctors because i had to i was actually working with ricky fowler oh. so then i was like i was like dude i fucking want to do this job so yeah, anyway i was like basically fucking dead dude and i went I, you were looking like a simpsons character for real dude like there's a photo of me in an elevator with with ricky fowler at the phoenix open who looks tanner yeah bro i looked like um, i was like i i had no i was like you're a retard dude like anyone that saw that but it's such a slow thing like everyone just, just thought you were taking melanin pills or something yeah dude, <laughs> like a fucking junkie but um anyway so i like flew home and then i went to adelaide to try and help my brother out for the adelaide 500 and then say get a phone call and they're like hey you have literally three percent kidney function and you only have one kidney like you need to go right now like you you can fucking die at any moment then the crazy thing is my blood pressure was like through the roof yeah because you've only got one and like it just fucking blocks you up yeah so anyway i get to hospital and this fucking chick is there putting this catheter in and she just like 
just can't make it happen, dude. And I'm just sitting there like no painkillers. Like it's the first thing as soon as I got in hospital. And she's just fucking trying to jam this thing up there. And I'm like, fucking spit on it. Like do something. Like you have to lube this fucking thing up. And, uh, but like coming out is what I was in. I ended up having like four different kidney surgeries. So I had the big one as well where they like cut you all the way open. Yeah. Dude, the most, I think the most pain I've ever felt in my life is when they pulled the, like the catheter coming out for me wasn't actually that bad. I was dreading it, but compared to going in, I was like, fuck it. That was, that was cake. And then they said like, you have to get up and you have to pierce by yourself. And I got up on like the walking frame and bro i was shaking with pain like i almost passed out because you've got no like you can't use your core at all yeah i felt like casper the ghost you know what i'm saying like i I felt like my fucking guts was gonna fall out of my chest like i had to like i was trying to tense my guts to like because it felt like everything was just gonna go i used to like try and hold my stomach like this i was like because i felt the same thing i'm like everything's gonna like come out <laughs> yeah. yeah it's fuck i've never met anyone else that's gone through that surgery dude yeah i i think any i should create a, a group on facebook like guys have had catheters that don't like it or something but it's it's no fucking joke dude. Man, got, a, going in yeah. is bad yeah. news bears hey bro. i'll give you a heads up this is like prison said i ain't going back to if, we, if we're doing the catheter thing again you know what i mean like that's <laughs> that's a no-go dude the yeah that one chick was like gnarly bad and then i got another lady that did the because i had it four different times because i yeah. had to go for four surgeries and um one chick was a pro she fucking nailed it just threw it in from the other side yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, darts, bro. But, uh, but yeah anyway dude fucking yeah um and then yeah what was i at the uh so you you've got up and you've walked around you've yeah done yeah, your laps. So, yeah so the, yeah the funny part is i did all that sort of stuff jump up i actually get changed so i put on i had a i had a singlet and i had some shorts on i was just my family came in with like the usual get well balloons a bunch of food they made at my house because they were staying at my house when i wasn't there all like a bunch of clothes and stuff they came in and, and i was like laying on the thing like ready i'm like you guys ready to roll and they're like what what i'm like no one believed me. I call, I call uh, Seattle. No one picked up because it was mad early in the morning. So I'm like, cool. I'm right. I'm just going to check out of here, get out. And then um, everyone in the hospital was like, looking around, like, we really probably shouldn't let him go. But no, oh, he's not. No one's going to stop me. Like, no one was going to stop me. What? What? And why did you want to get out so quick? I just didn't want to be in there. Yeah. I've been in hospitals before. I've been in terrible situations. Been in hospitals. I was just like, this ain't happening. Yeah. So I was like, I'll feel better if I get outside. So I go outside, they drive me home. I actually drive my truck with my family, go to the store, grab groceries. <laughs> so I was like bleeding out of parts of my stomach. I'm like, I, but I need groceries though. So I was like, oh, I'll drive. That's fine. Because I had a big truck. And yeah, you ain't driving. My family's all from Australia. Yeah. So they're like, well, I was, I'll drive. Yeah. Um, which was fine. I was walking. It was a pretty slow sort of pimp walk, which wasn't really optimal. Um, and then that night, that afternoon, they just finished practice and I walked, I went to the facility. I lived across the sort of estate from it. I went over and I went in there with a little bag of, uh, I guess, medicines and stuff they gave me. I went to the facility and like, it, they were like seeing a ghost because I was supposed to be in there for five days and like, yeah. everyone was like tweeting me like I was like in my, on my deathbed. Like I can only imagine what people actually thought the situation was. And then I went in there and they lost their mind, man. But that was when I first started my rehab. So a lot of people don't know is um, when I had my kidney out, the day of that removal of my kidney, I had seven weeks and five days to the first preseason game. Uh. So I told my dad after that I got my surgery, he said, I'll come back. 
I said, I'll come back. I'll play in the preseason. I said, seven and a half weeks. I said, I'll be, I can recover in seven and a half weeks. And they were like, no, you usually need like anywhere from like eight to 12 months to like yeah, re-even out. And I'm like, okay, like you obviously don't know what's happening here. So I said, I'm going to come and play in seven and a half weeks. So as soon as I could do my rehab, I started pretty hard. Um, obviously a big thing was healing the actual cuts in my stomach. And then from there, as soon as I could walk, I was jogging. As soon as I could jog, I was running. Um, as soon as I could lift weights, I was going. As soon as I could practice, I was going. Um, and I took it sensibly, but I pushed pretty hard. Didn't want to rush it, but I was going pretty fast. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you know, what do you know? Seven and a half weeks later, I play in all four preseason games. Um, I played pretty well too, even though I was still bleeding out of two or three and I ripped stitches on two of them as well. So I could like put my finger like that far deep into my stomach. Um, and they just said, there's no point putting it back together. They're just like, it's just going to heal like that. So I got some pretty gnarly scars that are pretty much tattooed over now. But yeah. Um, yeah, I came back, played the four games and I was, I was lucky enough. My, um, my dad was actually able to stay over there for a long period of time and, and see me play. Like he was there for my first game and he was there for my last game. Um, and he got to watch all of them and essentially see me overcome and push through all that sort of stuff. And, and I think a good part, even for him and myself, was seeing, I guess, my effectiveness to others and my story and how I affected people and in how I was doing it. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm yeah. a big person on, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And um, I tried to do it the best way possible, you know? Um, and then after the fourth game, it was... Uh, yeah, it was no good. Like my health was just deteriorating pretty quickly. And I was just, I was getting tired walking upstairs. Like I couldn't get my fitness. I couldn't like, couldn't hold weight real well. Like it was just, my kidney was just like. Struggling to like yeah, keep up. Yeah. And like you said, the blood pressure, which I still deal to this day with is the blood pressure of having one kidney and trying to like physically push. Do you get like crazy bad hangovers? Oh, I don't drink. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, and I never have. Yeah, so oh, I, I, okay. I wouldn't be able to tell you yeah um, right. but I do get bad headaches yeah like do you get dehydrated like super fucking easy yeah, yeah. well imagine how much water I gotta drink to freaking hydrate Dude, my last, body last night so I've been sick for two weeks basically and then yesterday I was like I'm going back to training like yeah. but yesterday was like the first day like where I was back working on the studio I just didn't drink enough water yeah by three o'clock I was in bed with a migraine yeah and I was like and I was looking and like even now like I'm dehydrated like you can't really see my veins properly yeah so i'm like fuck like yeah. i'm constantly chasing yeah. water and i couldn't train last night honestly i i drink more water than most people probably could um and i just have to like if i don't i i, I just don't <laughs> like drinking water like it's fucking well it's the worst thing it gets old like trust me I, as an athlete like i've had my fresh air of like yeah you gotta drink water all the time like yo i get it you know what i'm saying yeah but now because of this i can tell much quickly like yeah if i get there and i'm like whoa my brain feels like it's uh, and it, honestly it's a mix between i don't know if it's all the concussions <laughs> or the high blood pressure and right now i'm just like let's just attack both yeah, yeah. um but then yeah, from there I, on the on the fourth week of that last precinct game and i sat down with my dad and stuff like that and it wasn't looking good so i was just like we'll just pull the pl- pull the plug and then um was lucky enough to finish everything and then sort of mentally and physically sort of come to closure a little bit with everything like because it was just not enough to risk you know i had young son at the time it just wasn't worth not being around for some of that to Mm. just play football like the only reason i went over there was never to prove anybody wrong never to make money never to be famous all i was doing 
was proving my 15 year old self right yeah that you could do it yeah and no one believed me it was i, I could count the people on my hands that has a, had a positive role in that from that 15 year old to where i went and the people that didn't i would need way more hands than i got to count yeah um so it, it was a good feeling and it was um a big weight lifted off my chest like people don't understand like uh, people are like oh yeah it was probably like the movie ballers there's no such thing yeah there's probably five guys in the nfl that live like that it's a very physically mentally um draining for your family for your partners for for everyone that's in your life it's very tough situation like most people's families don't last it a lot of um you know a lot of situations come from that life of the nfl and there's a lot of pressure. Like you're always competing to get better. Someone's so always coming to get you. Too. Someone's always coming to get your job. It's no guaranteed contract. It's not like baseball or basketball. So you're just like the whole time. I'm like the off season, I'm supposed to be resting. I'm training five times as hard. You know what I mean? I'm training everywhere with everybody nonstop. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, uh, it wasn't really overtraining. It was just like, I didn't have enough time to recover appropriately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then from there it was just, I was in a situation where I, like I can do some stuff that I I guess I never did got a chance to when I was in the NFL and push towards some things that I want to do um, and for me that was like coaching and, and um, you know strength conditioning and that sort of stuff is like a huge passion of mine it has been since I got that gym membership when I was 16 so I think that it was just without getting too like astrology minded it was just one of those things it was just felt like it just had to happen yeah it was like the there time. was too many things it was just like do that do that do that and i was just like and honestly i'm glad people always ask me like oh man i'm sure you miss playing i'm like no way in hell do i miss that i'm sure you've heard the muhammad ali quote you know i'm hating every day of training and all that stuff. that's exactly how it was yeah you know what i'm saying it's not an easy life people think it's the money doesn't outweigh a lot of the stresses that you have to live or go through um physically and a, mentally yeah, risk, yeah like I, I man i was before i had my kidney out i was like five six surgeries deep already you know what i mean and that was the ones that i got and i probably still need a few more yeah um but i can live a normal life with it and uh it was a good it was a good feeling to move on and do that sort of stuff like that and then plus push. like the concussion stuff is so fucking crazy man, you, now, ain't, like, you ain't got to tell me man like yeah. i've had did you have a lot well if you saw me play or the type of person that i was yeah <laughs> i had yeah. a well not not the worst part is for me and I've, I've gone pretty hard into the research of that concussion stuff as well just for my own peace of mind yeah and a lot of it is not so much the huge hits which i had a few but I think the constant hitting and um, the continuity over a period of time. Yeah, just constant. And I just like look back to my practicing every day, games, the people I'm practicing against, which are just as big, if not bigger than me. And I'm just like, man, this is not looking good. Like I retract all the way back to junior college when I had to stand out by hitting people as yeah. hard as I possibly could. And then coming back here in Australia with no education, no skill set, no fundamentals of hitting. And I was still hitting people that hard. So I was just like, a good 15 years of um yeah crushing my skull i was like i'm sure i got a little bit of calcium build up um but i do i try and push a lot into that i think that um there's my diet changing training i think not being in the nfl plays yeah. a big role but i can't go back in time the damage is is there it is what it is just got to make the most of it and i'm I feel like i'm a very like we said before very in touch with my body um and i feel like i'm a pretty cognitive person 
I just uh, I just keep doing as much as I can until the legs fall off figuratively. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Yeah, it's definitely... Fuck, it's so gnarly just the way that so much shit is, com- is coming out now. Like, it's got to be fucking but it, i mean it's the same as everything though like all this new research comes out and then you start thinking like damn i'm fucked yeah like, oh yeah i mean i go on the internet and type in like CTE, anything to, anything yeah. to do with it i'm like i'm dead i'm dead yeah. like i got like where's my son i gotta go hug him right now like i'm yeah. on the way out like so it's i was taking it with a grain of salt but um i think that i was definitely in a situation that would create something like that yeah i just think that uh what I do now and how I progress through that is going to be the difference of how it ends up. The biggest thing that scares me is um, the the dementia side as well as the change of like personality side. Yeah. Um, have you have you noticed any like any CT sort of shit? You reckon? I don't know. I get so many headaches. Um, yeah. I did before. I had the blood pressure stuff as well. I was going to say the fucking kidney like the headaches it's took like, me out yesterday, dude. Like yeah, I was like, fucked. It marks so much. Yeah. Um, the headaches are wild though. Like the headaches, I'll go so bad, like I can't see out of like one eye, man. Yeah. And people, I try and tell people, I'm like, oh, I got a headache, and the people just think that like I'm like trying to dodge. Bro, it. I go, like, to, I, go to, I go to hospital for headaches. Yeah. Like yeah. it's fucked. Yeah. Like there's some. Like I went. Um, it, it's all dehydration though yeah. like you'd be the same with you yeah. like i went um didn't drink a lot of water went surfing it was hot as fuck surfed mm. in the salt water then went with had a coffee with a friend mm. so that fucking dehydrated me even more and I, but i walked back from coffee to my car threw up the whole time and then i got home and i was throwing up again and i was like dude i'm fucked yeah. and then like you're trying to drink water to get hydrated yeah. but you're throwing up yeah, yeah. so it's like you can't take anything on fuck like straight to the hospital IV. two liters of fluid yeah. that's the only thing it's yeah. like I, I literally feel like I would just fucking die yeah. if I didn't do that like oh, that's yeah, how yeah. bad it gets especially with blood pressure um, well dude my blood pressure went fucking back to normal they mm. said they told me that I was going to be on blood pressure meds my whole life yeah that's and what I, they told me as well but I'm I don't take it do you take any now every now and again yeah, most of the time you, I forget. You can feel it, eh? Like you, oh, you can feel like I it's know. like you've had ten coffees, eh? Right, I know when that when it's coming. You it's know crazy, like, dude, eh? And then you get a headache because yeah, of it. Like, mine's a lot of dehydration and diet and stuff like that. Like, I can't eat a lot of salt and all that sort of stuff. But mm. as soon as I feel it, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I, I have to cancel whatever's coming up. I'm like, this is not going to work out, you know. Especially if I'm like coaching because I'm on my feet all the time, thinking, running around, not really. Oh, pause yeah. everyone. I got to get a drink. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's exactly the situation. All right, but the too. more I take care of my, um, my, my diet and everything around my body, it sort of like aligns it up, mm. but it is annoying because it just comes out of left field, man. Like I'll have a great day. I'll be like, the one thing that gets me all the time is I'm at golf. Cause you yeah, know, when you at golf, yeah. you're like, you know, you're doing everything but drinking water. And I get to like the 13th hole and I'm like, yo, like, why is this why is the uh, earth spinning so crazy right now <laughs> you know like and i don't even drink you know so it's just like uh, when i go to golf bro i have like uh my golf bag and then i have the bag of stuff that i take to golf and that's like water like like i stop at the gas station and spend 80 dollars on like everything yeah, yeah, yeah. just to survive you know what yeah. i mean um but that's the life i live i'd rather i'd rather deal with headaches than die from cancer because yeah, they said if i left it another two weeks it would have went to my other kidney and yeah so where did you end so like you had the surgery and then they that kidney got removed and then were you like just cancer free after that or did you still have yeah, to do some like see, radiation and stuff or? no i didn't do no other radiation or anything they um they found traces in my lymph node 
which is essentially like the highway to your body. Yeah. And um, the scary part of this whole situation was they couldn't pinpoint where it was or what it could like amasticize as. Yeah. So like, I just try and tell people it's just like a ticking time bomb. You know what I mean? Like the lymph nodes is like throwing it onto the M1. You know what I mean? It's just going to yeah. go wherever it's going to go and it's going to stop wherever it's going to stop. Yeah. So that was with the, the continued scans and stuff were. So. so you still are in that stage of like, you're always just going to do like it's like once scans. a year and stuff like that like and i've had a few times where i get like pretty bad like i wouldn't say it's called phantom pain but bad pain in that same side and stuff like that so i'm like after that i'm like oh man i better get some scans or dude something. that shit's fucking real though because like i i had like a, a implant on my tooth and like fuck man i just always get like these crazy like mm. throbbing in my fucking mouth from like where that so that and all it is is like mm. you know they just drill a fucking tooth in there yeah, yeah. and it's like right now there's no pain at all yeah and then like i'll go to bed and i'll be like fuck something's wrong with yeah. my face like it's so weird how your brain has yeah. those kind of things. well i used to get it with my knees and stuff when i had surgery in my knee like i'm always i'd always be like rubbing my knees and stuff yeah. like that or like i have a weird limp but i wouldn't even be sore yeah um it's just yeah, my body it, my body is very very used to pain yeah. um so it's just probably confused and what the hell's going on but so far i haven't seen there was a few like random pop-up of like things on the scans are like enough to scare them to do something else but nothing yet i only go once a year now like if it happens any other time then that's the time yeah you know yeah. what i mean like i'm not big on honestly i'm not it's like a you know afraid of the dark i'm not really afraid of the dark i'm afraid of not seeing you know i'm not really afraid of dying i'm just afraid of not being able to finish living the stuff i was supposed to do yeah. um and it doesn't really scare me it never scared me when i was there you know what i mean like i wasn't it didn't cross my mind once that like, oh, i'm gonna die um nor did the negative side of being dead really cross my mind i've done more things in the 25 years I don't feel like I've done that much in the last two or three years. But the 25 years, than most people have ever done in multiple lives. Yeah. Especially from where I've come from. So I've never been one to like, I've got unfinished business and that. The only yeah. unfinished business I have is, I guess, raising my son. Yeah. And then even then, I'm like, there's nothing I really can do about the timing of, of how that yeah. goes. You know what I mean? Like it's, if I spend so much time worrying about that, I lose the time I got right now. Yeah. Um, it might, people always see it as more, but I just, I just, I'm pretty real with everything you know what i mean like if the risk is there there's very high risk i could crash my car as well you know what i mean so there's it's probably just as much risk yeah um it's just how you how you go into it you know what i mean like i'm not one to be scared nor base my life on fear when did you when did you have a son when you were over there yeah so um he was born the 16th of september um probably the second week of the four preseason games came back yeah okay and so so he's like mum's american Australian. Like, oh really yeah so was that your like missus that went over there with you or like how'd that all work she was from here yeah not a good subject oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but so he's here then yeah, yeah he's here like, with me yeah yeah, here, okay. yeah, yeah yeah so yeah yeah oh fair yeah enough. so i'm around him non-stop trying to do what i can that, yeah that's okay. the that's the that's the long burning legacy of where that's going yeah you know I mean? that's where i put a lot of well everything i can yeah yeah cause, i mean i said it on here a few times like i'm starting to get to that age where i like want to have kids and stuff and it's always like yeah trying to wrap my head around that whole thing and like i want to be fucking really good at that job you know like that's the job i want to do the best out of anything i've ever done yeah it's the long it's the one you'll have for the longest <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. and you'll know you won't lose money but if you're not good you'll 
Yeah, you could lose probably a lot more. In <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, so, I love it though. I love it. Yeah. So when um, so you decide after that that fourth preseason game that you call it quits, and so like, how did that conversation go down? Like, you just spoke with those guys, and yeah, I just went into uh, Coach Carroll's office with John Snyder, and sort of just sort of just chopped it up and broke it down, and like, man, it made sense. You know what I mean? Like, the biggest thing with me and what I told my dad was, if I can't go in there perform. I'm not going to go out there. Mm. And I was probably in an optimal state running at like 40%. Yeah. Like always, like I was going hard just to keep up with people's just cruising. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd, and I'd rather not look trash. I'd rather not play. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like I deserved enough to take someone's spot on the team when I'm like cruising through just trying to stay alive mm. when people can actually, you know, push. Make a difference. Yeah. And that's just the type of person like I'm not... I'm not one to drag out bad situations any any longer. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to be known as like playing terribly because I had cancer. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't going to use that card. I didn't need that. Mm. You know what I mean? So I was confident enough that I could do other things in my life. And I tell people all the time, whether it's kids that I mentor, kids that I've coached, business people, whoever, I say, if my life is this long, football is this. Yeah. I said, what 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 I do with the rest? Like, yeah, I'll take some positives and, and negatives and learn from it. But what I do with the rest is that's completely up to me. Um, and that's when I, you know, went back to coaching and went back to doing stuff that I was more passionate about and being around people that were very like minded to myself. Um, and then I wanted to to do more for myself. Being a team environment, team, you don't do that. Your mindset has to change a little bit. Yeah, coming back into stuff you want to do for yourself. And that's not like, oh, I want to like, you know, just like travel around the world by myself. There was n- nothing really like that for me. It was more like taking more time to develop myself in other areas than like be stronger, faster and better at football. Yeah. Um, and that is like being a father, um, being smarter, being, you know, as a holistic approach, more well-rounded as a human being. And yeah. then it, for me, it would just seem like not right if i didn't use the experiences that i had to come back and share with other people because i've done and been through so many things that it's just like when i go do these keynotes and i talk all over the place whether it was like red bull under armor wherever i would go and speak and i would tell people and dive hard into my story and i'd be like oh crap like oh yeah i did do that like i forget because i wasn't living it like people don't understand that like i was not living it I was dumped onto a roller coaster and I was hanging on as best as I possibly could until the, the ride was over. Mm. Like I wasn't, people were like, oh, you were probably like- You're like surviving. Yeah, it. yeah, 100%, man. The people were like, oh, you're probably like enjoying, I'm like enjoying it. I'm like, man, I was playing, I was playing national champs, whatever. I was like, man, I might've smiled six times my senior year. You know what I'm saying? Like you wasn't doing no fun. Like, yeah, there was highs and lows, but the highs was still like, you still have the lows in the back of your head and you still have the next things and. It's well. like so much responsibility. Oh, people don't understand. And people are always like, oh, it must be so good to do. Like, no, no, just rethink yeah. what you think it is first. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I wouldn't trade a single thing for the world because the person I am now is shaped by the things that I've done. But I hate it when people come up to me like, oh man, you were probably living like the best life. It was probably like, you know, everyone was driving Ferraris and taking pro-. I'm like, I'm like, you, you and I got the two different NFLs in mind, I think. Yeah. It's a very realistic situation. You know what I mean? Um, so on the, on the flip side of that, which, which what I do now, and I base a lot of myself around performance and coaching and 
trying to give back and use my story as a, a platform to affect positively and negatively. Some people need to hear some real stuff. Yeah. Um, I think more people need to hear some of the, the negatives than they do the positives. Um, and in turn, I get a lot of fulfillment in rehearing my own story, re-diving back into it. Um, I think a big part of being the player that I was in the, I guess the icon or what people have perceived as me is um, I had to really be get, uh, become vulnerable as, as, a, as a man or as a human being um, in my transition. And that's been the toughest part. You know what I mean? When you go from living, like everyone say like, oh, you're the, you're the big guy. Like, oh, you're such a tough dude. Or like, oh man, you, you were playing so good. It's, you were just getting so much, so much, so much. And it was nothing was true. Nothing was true. You know, I think a lot of it was just detailed perception to what people thought of me. Mm. So the biggest thing now is like being vulnerable. Do you feel like many people knew no you one. as like a person when no you one. were as, as an athlete? No way. I, I, honestly, I don't think maybe one or two. And my parents barely because no one was there with me. Yeah. Like they knew me, but that was like a weekly FaceTime or something like that. Yeah. But I, like half the stuff I've had to do, no one, no one knows. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like maybe when I get older and I feel like I'm worthy, I'll, I'll write a book and detail some of that stuff down. And I think that a lot of people, yeah, they see too much of the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and base their decisions on well we do like we all cultivate um like it was funny i was looking at even just my i don't use my personal instagram that much but what's funny is because i don't i don't use it that much i'll only post on it when i get like like andy jackman's in here and he takes like a super fucking dope photo or you know what i mean like i'm literally posting like my fucking coolest shit Mm. doesn't happen that much and then i was like looking at i'm like fucking if you looked at my instagram you'd think that i just live like this dope fucking life but i literally feel like i actually feel disconnected from that person that Mm. lives like in all those photos because like that's such fleeting moments and like you've got to have an amazing photographer with you to like capture this fucking Mm. sick but like day-to-day life man my day-to-day like i don't feel like that dude so it's like it's weird like it's weird that that is normal now to like kind of create this life and i feel like there almost is like people are more disconnected from themselves even because it's like there's there's almost like yourself your image that you put out into the world and then the people around you that see that image and it's a there's some fucking weird space in between bro man i think it's what's crazy especially with social media is that that is such a common story um but like and i'm speaking from a perspective of seeing like a social uh, social media influencer like i know for a fact i know people with millions of followers and like uh, like they're not good people yeah or they they work at just like some random store or like they do this but they just like the life they live in i'm like sitting on on Ferraris or don't I'm like there ain't no way in hell you got that I, I yeah. know you know I think from my perspective like with social media I try and keep it pretty real like I don't I don't stun or do anything like that I post pretty real stuff but I think what added an extra like realm to it was that I had the media side that was on me mm. you know what I mean from the jump and like what's put out there I, it isn't true I know that because I read the articles I'm like oh that's pretty wild I, yeah. don't, I don't remember any of that happening that's cool yeah um that's why I don't watch the news or read the, read the paper or anything like that. Um, so it, it that disconnect is huge, man. And it's, I think, with, it's honestly where like this huge discussion now of, 
you know, mental health and anxiety and all that sort of stuff like that. I know that's a, a clinical and a proven thing, but I also think a lot of it is, it comes from that disconnection. Yeah. Oh, it's beyond more than self-inflicted men. It was like a little pool people dive in every day um, on their own. You know yeah. what I mean? And a lot of people, it is from, that vulnerability isn't, um, you know, like you have to like own up to you being like a loser or something like that. The vulnerability is like fixing some of the things that you either might not be good at or some things that might need to be improved to help the situation or whatever. I don't think people ought to do that. Um, And I guess that could be a bit of a stigma in itself as well. But I just think a lot of people now is just, there's so much in, um, and and one of the coaches I know, Brett Bartholomew says the best. I said, there's so much trying to prove value, not provide value. There's so many people out there so worried about proving it but the doing it part is so lacking. And I see it so much. People are always like, oh yeah, I do this, 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 and this. I'm like, okay, like if I wanted a resume, you could have just printed it out, man. Like Mm. I didn't need to read all that. But when you actually see what these people are doing, it's nothing, you know what I mean? So I think that that huge disconnect in itself is, uh, and I see it so much, it drives me insane, man. I'm just like, not only because I get, not no appreciation, but very little appreciation for the things I've done. And then I see other people and I'm like, like who is this like yeah why is this dude like this you know what i mean like i try not to act like i and i don't act like i'm better or well, i am physically bigger than some people but not i'm not bigger than anything yeah you know what i mean like i still still live a normal life man like i still buy groceries from Woolworths. like i still yeah. have to pay bills and do other stuff you know people just don't understand people just think as soon as they see you on like the front of the paper they just think man untouchable so it is it's it very, is it's weird very, very it opposite yeah it's it's fucking crazy on my end because like i've never been any fucking anything and then over the last like nearly two years with this podcast it's like i get fucking 50 60 messages a day from people i don't know mm. and then i get probably another 50 or 60 messages from people that have messaged before that I do like know now because of mm. that shit. And it's just like this constant flood. And it's like, I'll be fucking having a shit mm. when I'm, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and someone's like, bro, this is so rad. And like this helped me and I really, pre-. and I'm like super fucking grateful, mm. but I try so hard to like constantly stress to people that I am fucking not better than anybody and I don't think I'm better I'm literally replying while I'm having a shit like like everybody else you know what I mean and it's like it's fuck yeah it is it's super weird and that's that's providing value yeah you know what I mean that's not proving value like you're not putting out posts about what's coming next or you got this cool thing that's like you're just doing it yeah just do it I tell people all the time the most intelligent thing to do is action you know, most people, all the issues that people got is, is you wait around too long. Dude. I see that in Australia so much. I'm like, all the time we just did talking about, I, you know how many times people want to sell the world to me? Yeah, I bet. Oh, well, we want you to do this, this and this. We got this awesome. I'm like, okay, man, cool. Like, where is it then? You know, yeah. show me, please. Come in. Uh, if you if something so powerful and it's going to blow me away and it's going to like pull me out of my shell, I'll come and see you right now. We'll come and do it right now. You know, like we can go to the bank. We can literally go do whatever you want right now. And people will be like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. That's not sort of what I meant. Like, you're probably like four months ahead. I'm like, oh, so there's a different story then. Already. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's very common in, in with the social media and all that sort of stuff now. And that disconnect is, yeah, it's different. 
sort of beast compared to what I had to deal with, but it's something I see a lot now and with athletes and stuff like that getting tangled in it. And I'm just glad I was, I remember when Instagram first came out when I was in college, I'm like, oh, what is this? You know what I mean? And because I like photography, I was like, oh, I guess I'll just post some pictures of my shoes I got on or something. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's like a little bit it's of business and it's like a life. Bro. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's like what Bill Gates said about internet. It said, if your business don't have social media, you don't have a business. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just how it is. You know, so much branches from that. Like, would we even have podcasts if we didn't have in social media? I'm fucking like extremely thankful for Instagram. And, well, especially Instagram is like the main thing that I use for the, the podcast. But like, I never... And I've said it on here before, like I've never like looked at it. I definitely get fucked with the thirst traps though. Like I find myself, I'm like, fuck, what are you doing? Stop scrolling this bitch. Fuck this. Honestly, I think it's played such a big role in relationships purely from a, you know, I always think about, I'm like, not only my parents, my grandparents, I'm like, if you lived in a small town and there was like one girl there you liked or whatever, you'd never think that, maybe 14 towns away if i drive 37 miles there's another girl that might be the same yeah now you can be like dudes be like okay all these girls look exactly the same they're scattered over all these areas you know what i mean like it's it's like a numbers game same fucking filters and shit everyone looks the same like i go to no offense to coach kings because i know them but i'm like i go I, i go to the mall i see people like they look like they popped out of Instagram. It's like a catalog. I'm like, you look, you look like 17 other people. I've walked past already today. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? The trends are so hard, especially like Gold Coast, Brisbane, anything to do with like influencing, which I don't know who, like really what what they're, what, like I I, want to be an influence. Yeah. I don't want to be an influencer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I got nothing to sell you you know maybe maybe some inspiration that's about it yeah but yeah it's wild man i see some of it and i just well even in the performance area i see a lot of it and yeah you know sure. every that's everyone's everyone's too. trying to fix everybody everyone's like a, a professional at something everyone's a wellness coach like i'm like yeah. okay what have you been through man like tried and tested like what's like what have you done like yeah i'm not like if you got a degree or your phd or masters i'm like all right cool like yeah you're just starting then but like what what sort of like what are we offering here you know yeah. but it's wild man like from a photography side it's awesome i love it, it the inspiration's outrageous but i think from a life side especially in young kids it skews what people oh, think is success man. it's crazy too like the thing that it's especially with chicks like the thing because like i've been with my chick for fucking years like we're good yeah. and she's fucking she's a hot chick but she doesn't post like hot chick stuff yeah. and i literally was like looking at a chick the other day and i'm like scrolling and i'm like I'm like, is my chick not hot because she doesn't <laughs> post this kind of, you know what I mean? But you know what's crazy? That, like, the, the, this chick is just straight, it's fucking Tuesday and she's just on the beach in Burley and she's fucking killing it. But it's like, I just started thinking of like the psychology of like posting that. Like, why are you posting that picture? Honestly, like, today, so today's weird. currency is like um, affirmations or confirmation yeah, like, it's crazy attention is the major currency like it goes it like is. attention gold bullion and like euro and then something else you know what i'm saying but yeah. attention is stocks at the peak you know yeah. above above all and i see some of it and i like you're you're so you, you go to the right, explore right. page and you're like whoa i'm like but it, it's the worst part about it is like i see some of it and it's so like revealing and stuff like that i'm like wow i'm like what like <laughs> This sounds so old, but I'm like, oh, but what is this girl's like personality like? Like, 
not 100%. not not like are you do you like like long walks on the beach more like what in your brain happened that you thought that was cool to post that yeah like that's, I, that's i'm, yeah, I'm that's seeing everything i'm like i'm like, I'm like I, you can't even look at instagram in public anymore you're like oh whoa 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 that wasn't me like i don't follow that person who is this you Dude, know like for sure because i get in trouble always seeing um shock mansion stuff yeah, you go yeah. on there i'm like oh man i'm like what the hell? I'm like, I'm I just do trying that to look- shit, but like Ricky will look at my phone all the time and she'll be like, I'll be like on Instagram, I'm scrolling there. It's fucking shock mansion yeah. or it's like uh, the mad Hueys or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, I just fully had that thought the other day of like, why would you like, so this chick I've been talking about has like 20,000 followers, but she doesn't do any, like she doesn't, there's nothing like, she's not selling anything. She's not, she's just hot as fuck with 20, like 20,000 dudes think she's super hot. No. And she is. But I'm just like, what are you, like, what are you posting it for? Like, and it's the same. And then like you follow her for a bit and now I see shit where I'm like, oh, she posted that like three weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm like in it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. She's doing that. And I'm like, oh, she's not doing any of this shit. Yeah. Like, this is just this constant, like, content. But it's like, but what is the end game? Like, what are you doing it for? I just, yeah. I don't. What's the like, reason? I know that, like, my personal Instagram, I don't really use, but it's, like, family and friends and, like, people in America. And it's, like, I'll try and, like, post shit that I'm doing. Mm. But it's, like, I'm just not posting something every day to like post something yeah. and then the podcast I'm like posting shit about the podcast and yeah. it's fucking awesome for that but I just like just lately just I've been really like paying attention to like you have no reason to be posting this yeah. fucking reposted photo that you did like three weeks ago man I love seeing the memes that come out now that like um, all the uh, all the employment officers getting smashed all the Instagram people now that likes aren't you know, like now they oh, hide the likes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you it's know what crazy. pisses me off about that though is that um, the the thing like so I've like no, never bought followers and shit. So it's like we got nearly ten thousand followers, and it's like you can see we get X amount of views on our videos, X amount of likes. So it's like there's a ratio there to where it's like quite obvious that I've never bought followers. And then now that doesn't mean anything. So yeah. it's like, well, I'll just go and jack up my fucking followers. <laughs> no one can see because, yeah. like, that's something that I like as a business owner and as yeah, like I think through an s- audience. Like, I I want to like respect the people that mm. like look at our shit. You know? Yeah. No, I think from a business standpoint, yeah. But I think just from people that like, I just didn't know how half these people was like living. Like, I would <laughs> see them like, I, I, like surely the the influx of Australian people to Bali has to have multiplied exponentially Dude. like the ba- the Balinese government's probably just like pumping their own hashtags trying to get Australians together I'm like I've never been there I have nothing against it I just it looks a little too not clean for me but yeah. I, I just see it I'm like it's just purely based off social media stuff it's I'm just crazy like, yeah. I'm like I just don't know I see a lot of people do it and I see a lot of people do it for different reasons but I just I'm the same as you I'm like okay so hypothetically Instagram you're killing it you do it for, for 10 years like what do you do? Like I'm like, should you start like your own clothing? Like That's do, the thing do you open like, an Instagram store? Like yeah, yeah. what's what is the if you're looking at progression of life here? Like do you just go what's bang next? bang 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 and then there's a huge cliff after Instagram or that, you're is, so do, fucking right? Do you move dude. that into LinkedIn or like hey LinkedIn's popping though low key. Link, yeah, LinkedIn's, link, LinkedIn's like on the, the way shit. up. Yeah. I'm on there and I get like people commenting on my stuff, like wearing suits and stuff. I feel way better. I should like do LinkedIn. It's probably like a good way to fucking get. Do you pay for it? Like you do the subscription one? We, I don't. No, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think you can do much on LinkedIn unless you pay for it though, right? 
Well, nah, I think it's like I can, legit. I can, yeah, I can still post stuff and see other people's stuff, but you can't always see who, because you can see who's looking at your page. Yeah. If, if that was on Instagram, you know how many relationships A would be gone, no. but how many weird people you'd be like, not be able to make eye contact with anymore. <laughs> like it was just like, when I was gone LinkedIn, I'm like, people would look at them like why they didn't post anything or do anything yeah. they just looked at them like that's mad creepy so you just seen me in a room walked by stared at me for five minutes and then left, and then left. i'm like yeah. okay you're Easy weird just to say hello bro <laughs> i don't have snapchat i use twitter i like twitter yeah see that's super american more informative though yeah it, it hits way quicker than instagram and you don't get the clutter of like half naked pics yeah would you know what's crazy dude is um the sando the one last boy that bloke that was on here he was saying that every fourth post on Instagram is sponsored. Really? You've never even noticed it. And I never even noticed I, I don't, it. I don't look... Honestly, I don't... Bro, it's going to fucking blow your mind now. Now when you scroll Instagram, literally count. One, two, three, four, like sponsored. Lies. One, lies. two. Three. It's fucking so like sneaky too. They got the tiny little sponsored thing on there. But like he said that and I was like, he's fucking right. Yeah. I thought he was crazy, dude. That's one. I knew in it was a lot. Posts. I knew it was a lot. One in fucking even. Five. Even if you go to um, because I just go to the, the main. You know, it has all the other pictures and stuff. Uh, like the feed of random people I don't follow. The explore one. Yeah, yeah, the yeah explore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just go through that and I would like see because I mean I just follow like heaps of um, strength conditioning stuff, weightlifting, heaps of golf stuff, like heaps yeah, of photography really. stuff. So I'm like looking around like, oh, here's some tiger stuff, or depending on what I feel like. So I hardly ever really just like. Because I don't follow a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm hardly ever just like, oh, what is my brother doing? Like, what is my mom yeah, doing? You know what I mean? call the fucking scroll hole. Like, you oh. just get caught in it and then you just like... Well, how many like, times do you go and you're like, how did I get to the this person? Yeah. Like, and then I go back and I'm like, whoa. Like, whoa. I'm yeah, like, you're like lost in I'm like, now. no, I'm done. Throw my phone away. You Dude, know what I mean? For real. It's fuck. It's such Well, I used a- to have two phones. One for the US ones. And I'm like, uh, like I'm losing my mind. So what do you have the two for? one for the US one for here oh, when I was going back yeah, and forth yeah, and I was yeah. like nah 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 this is same with social media like because social media is like you know how we said you're painting a picture of yourself with your own thinking or whatever this can be created by like in any direction yeah. way shape or form right so like I feel that when I because everyone knows me as the monster and I hate that man like I changed I, I made that the name when I was a a junior in college yeah. because ESPN yeah wrote an article about it so I was like man I'm like I can't shake it man like people yell oh it's the monster I'm like yeah my name's Jesse man cool thanks you know but like I feel like if I post anything business wise or like motivational anything like that on the monster page people are like oh man like just post a picture of you being big and strong like I feel like all people if I post a football picture it goes through the roof but if I post something about some sort of being an activist or standing up for something, people are like, oh man, like stay in your lane. Yeah, you're like, nah, son. Like, well, it's 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 crazy. Like, we have a thing with that where it's like, if you've reached a fucking peak at something, it's yeah. like, all right, you're done, dude. Just fucking yeah. be that guy. Don't try and be sit, like sit a at few, home. Let someone yeah. else do something. Yeah, yeah, like don't don't oh don't try be woke, bro. You're the <laughs> you know you're the football dude. But yeah. I think that it's this it, it's just a. Uh, it's part of society where we, uh, we don't like people that it's like once you've been really good at something it's like we don't want you to be really good at something else it's like yeah. you've already fucking but you've overachieved the one right? thing that annoys me is so much different between I talk about it so much with some of the other business people that I know that go back and forth to the US it's so different and he says it the best he has a story of, and he owns a lot of stuff and 
he was driving his Bentley in Brisbane or whatever, and it's a completely different outlook and perception than if you drive your Bentley in the US, mm. anywhere in the US. He said, if I'm in Brisbane, he said, people will try and cut you down right away. He's had people throw stuff at his Bentley, like people so try and weird, scratch eh? his Bentley up for no reason. But in the US, it's like, if I see someone with like a better car than me, I'd be like, oh, that's a nice car. Like, yeah. what do you do? How do you do it? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a very different way of thinking. And it, it and it breaches into so much other stuff. Like- You're so right. You, no one wants to help. Everyone's like, oh, you know, we're just about helping the community. No, you're not. You're trying to cover helping yourself up with this reasoning. Yeah. Over in the US, if you ain't hurt nobody, people are just like, yeah, man, do whatever. Like, I'll try and help. But that's where they actually collaborate. Yeah. Here, people want like either a serious partnership as in like you drag them along even if they, they didn't do anything or they just want to be like, the the reason you're doing well i'm yeah. like because i get that so much like if we do business stuff and like people want to be like oh yeah no, i'll do it with you and we'll do i'm like whoa i'm like slow down man i'm like yeah i'm trying to do this i'm like how did you jump on this right away like it's like my it's my thing yeah i just that's what i miss about the u.s like i would go to places whether it's like if i would go and i would chop it up or i would go to the barber shop or i go talk to people a bunch of guys i'll be like yeah man like Think about doing this. There's people like, yo, that's cool. Like, yeah, you yeah. should do that. Do that here. People will come out with first thing they'll say is like, oh, nah, nah, that's because of this. That I'm like, it's just a completely opposite. Yeah, I guess the way it's uh, like absorbed. Mm. Um, and that's what I see so much when I tell people, even if it's like strength conditioning stuff, I'll be like, oh, but in the U.S., everyone's like, oh, that's the U.S. Though I'm like. Yeah, but we're all human beings. I'm like, yeah. It's proven to work. You know what I mean? And that's what annoys people. me like so much is just people's stagnant thinking. Yeah. Compared to like But that breeds opportunity some, though, you know? Well, people just don't get it as well. And I see it as in like hyper population equals hyper competitiveness. If it's yeah. do or die, if you live do or die for a long period of time, like I'll give you a heads up, you're going to come out on the other end a dog. Yeah, fuck yeah. If you're out here cruising, like I tell the kids all the time, if you go and do a trade something like that you can still in two years oh, i'm gonna go if you're good enough go play in the nrl mm. and then if or if you're in the nrl oh it's whatever i'm just gonna go be a trade and you can still live and make a lot of money yeah in the u.s that's not available yeah if you're here and then try and go to the nfl okay a that's impossible from there if you go to here it doesn't work you have to go back to your hometown or try and use your degree to branch into something else or do this and do this it's very tough you know what I mean? So it's just a very, I don't know. It's annoying difference. And that's the one I see the most because I'm obviously transitioning from professional sports into whether it's business or like any sort of work really. Mm. And it's just a mindset of like, if you want this, you have to do these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? People don't, people don't get it. I'm like, I'm trying to help you here. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just go this way. People still, so they call it tradition, but it's, I think it's a narrow way of thinking. Yeah, you know, I see it so much, and that's what I just like. I don't like calling it like it's the Aussie way because I don't think it is. It's just a very well. One of my business guys says the best. He says too much Australians are worried about income, not outcome. Mm. In the US, it's about outcome. If I'm really good at what I do, a byproduct is a it good is income. Money. Yeah, but if you chase here, you chase this income real hard. The outcome it ain't gonna be good. Well, I think that there's just a there's just a certain level of like 
you should be chat what you should be chasing is like fulfillment mm. like because if you're gonna if you are fulfilled well, well, by you're something, getting to work now yeah <laughs> you sound like an inspirational page on instagram yeah i'm gonna post this shit too uh but that, that, that's like really what you should do you know like th- this fucking process of this podcast is like super fucking hard to keep mm-hmm. on the tracks like it's not cheap but granted it's not fucking cheap to live in burley and like have the studio and shit here that's fair enough but like like i lived at when i moved back from america i lived at my parents house for two years i was fucking 28 and 29 years old living with my girlfriend at my fucking parents house like it's like sacrifice like Mm. there's no and like you're not chasing income at that point you know what i mean like you're chasing the outcome it's it's a fucking really good way to look at it and like I just was like, this is like a super fulfilling way to make a living. And I was confused when I come back from America. I didn't want to just jump straight back into what I'd been doing. I was pretty burnt out of like how hard I was chasing the film stuff over there. It's a way smaller fucking pie over here. So it's like I was, you know, left with like that choice. Like, well, what hmm. the fuck am I going to do? This thing come up and it was like, it's, it's super fulfilling. Like, I fucking love doing this. Like me and you're going to be fucking homies forever now because of like sitting down and talking Mm. for fucking three hours straight it's like it's a a fucking cool experience but it's like so much stuff has to get sacrificed to just keep it on the fucking on the tracks you know I try and tell people it's like it takes what it takes you know what I mean people always like I want this I want this I was like well you have to be willing to give up everything yeah you remember how many friends and stuff I lost when I was trying to play football Every one of them. Yeah, because you can't, <laughs> like, there's no room. <laughs> it gets heavy. It's a long walk, man. The more baggage you got, the harder it is. But with a lot of stuff like that, with um, with work and I think people's lives, I think they will just through the motions. Like, the yeah. biggest thing with being good at football is having intent to do what you got to do. Yeah. Like, if you, your job, be the best at it. You know what I mean? If you're going to be a bloody a cleaner on the street, be the best cleaner on the street. You want people to walk by and be like, whoa, that dude is literally the best cleaner on the street. Yeah. If people had that attitude, a 15% of that attitude, yeah. they would go out there and they would crush their lives. But right now, they don't, like they're too worried about comparing themselves to some dude on Instagram that's like an entrepreneur that's flying around in jets. Like They're like looking at Gary Vee's stuff like, man, I should have, man, why didn't I think of Google? Because yeah. like, you probably were like 12. Um, and they're too worried about what they think they could do, not what they should be doing right now. You know, like I try and tell people, say you can't change the world. You can change your world around them, and hopefully that can influence the rest. Yeah. I said too many people are looking in the wrong areas. You know, Dude, what I mean? the the thing too is like, the I was literally talking to my girlfriend about this last night. Like, jujitsu's been a huge thing for me in my life. Like, I've never choked any cunt in the fucking street. I've never. You know what I mean? I've never had to use it. It's a great it for, feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never had to use it for self-defense. Like I've gone and done competitions. I've mm. won fucking competitions. Like I know it works, but it's like, it's that's not the reason for doing it. Like when there's so much value and this can be in anything, bro. This can be if you get really good at golf. It can be if you get really good at fucking, um, you know, putting money in like the stock market. Like all of this shit is like, pick a thing that you can do every single day and just become fucking super good at it. And then you'll find that like, cause that's where I'm at with jujitsu right now. And like, I've never really done anything in my life where I've like, every day, rain, hell or shine, tired, sore, pissed off, broke, depressed, happy, sat, like you just go. And then you go and you try to do it at a really fucking high level. And then it's like, you get on a roll and then 
all of a sudden other things in your life are, you're like oh i'm like eating good now because it's like it becomes this like necessity of like that focus of i'm gonna get good at jujitsu yeah and then it's like oh now i'm eating good fuck i actually have a six-pack now yeah. oh i've never had that in my whole life was always the thing i'd love to look good one day oh i'm fucking starting to get muscly oh my fitness is crazy now i can go and do this and like that shit seems easy yeah. and it's like i've got a bit of fucking confidence from this like i'm gonna go do this it's like the there's a follow-on effect that happens in your life and that's why someone like you dude you dedicated your whole fucking life to being like insanely good at one thing and it's like look at the follow-on effect that that has in the rest of your life and people need to understand that like one of my buddies in america he just started like he got obsessed as obsessed with the stock market as i did with jiu-jitsu he like read everything all he did was watch bloomberg can't had no idea about the stock market at all before he started but he wasn't in there like looking at you know trolling warren buffett's instagram being like fuck man i wish i was that guy yeah. like he just started at the bottom and just like slowly just become like an expert and mm. there's just a thing that happens like when you become an expert at one thing everything in your fucking life gets better and it's like it's just it's not a secret nah. like that shit's out there well you said it best man you said the, the word exactly what i was going to say it's obsessed like you have to be obsessed. Yeah. Like when yeah. I when I when I tell people about stuff I, I I did or I want to do, like that shit wakes me up in the morning yeah. before my alarm. I roll over and watch my alarm go off, and it keeps me up at night. Fuck. You yeah. know what I mean? If you don't have those things in your life, like I talk about all the time, if your wise are not strong enough, man, you're gonna stand up and get knocked back down every day, every day. You know what I mean? You gotta have those things. If it's not your family or stuff like that, I talk to people all the time, like about adversity or handling adversity and. You know the situations that I've been in highs and lows I think adversity for me is like a dark room I try and tell people and it's it's a room that you're going to go down there once or twice in your life and it's going to be it might be consistent it might be sporadic but you're going to go down there multiple times so I said you better get comfortable with being uncomfortable and being comfortable in that uh, dark room and it's yeah. only dark because of the things you put in there but I said once you're down there and you get comfortable and you have those things that need to bring you back out of that you need to get those little lights in your life that are not going to burn out you yeah. know what i mean and for, for for some people like myself it's like my family my son you know what i mean it could be my my work it could be at the time was football or photography or some sort of passions you need to have those things that have the power to to light up that dark room and and like wake you up early in the morning and keep you up and keep you sort of that fire underneath your butt because a lot of people don't have that man like yeah. people can't get obsessed in it and if they do they get obsessed with the wrong thing Cause, exactly cause dude they, like there's so much shit that you can get obsessed with that too is too easy like, now it's fucking wonderlust bro yeah. like you know the amount oh like, it's the worst man fuck bro like I've there was a uh, there was like a point recently where like shit's just been hard this year like it's just been a fucking gnarly year like we're trying to do that studio fucking don't have that much money putting so much effort into the jujitsu side of things that's taken away it's lost it's fucking hot and bro i found myself like just getting in that little wanderlust mindset whenever i had downtime i was just like thinking about like what my life what Mm. i would do if i had a million dollars and like i'd go and i'd buy this and i and i found myself and i was like whoa 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 pump the fucking brakes homie that is poison that is a fucking prison and i know so many people that like they'll be like oh fuck man if you had like a million dollars right now what would you do and i just want to fucking backhand that 
person like off their seat because like you just chug them out that is the most poisonous <laughs> mindset you can have of like living in that wonderlust and i think that's what that's just like the movie inception bro yeah dude. Uh, you get stuck down there and hey, Fucking five minutes there is six hours up here dude you know what i'm saying real. for and, real hey i i know hell people do that like oh man imagine if i was big and imagine i'm like imagine like make it happen man yeah, you like can do that shit. i know some like the craziest thing that blows me away two things is the internet is there exponential availability of information and, and people oath. find stupid stuff they couldn't find all the inspirational stuff that was there as well as people have this attitude of like oh i don't care what people think i'm like well that's wrong i said the hard part in life is figuring out which people if to care about. If 20 people think you're a fuckhead, you're yeah. probably a fuckhead. Yeah. But I'm saying people... <laughs> people like you people should use that as a tool. Yeah, well, to people like, need to focus on who they care thinks about them. Yeah. People are so worried about what people on Instagram think, they probably don't even know what their family thinks about them. Yeah, true. Or people are so worried about, oh, all my, my work friends think I'm cool, but your kids hate you. You know what I mean? So a lot of it is, it's just focusing on what you need to focus on. You know? yeah. It takes what it takes. And people just don't realize that it takes... Gary V says it the best. He said, it always takes longer than you think and it always costs more than you think. Yeah, fucking It's not about money. It was sacrifice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People are like, oh, you know, if I, if I do this here, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out and make it. Like, yeah. Times that by two and then we might be halfway there. Yeah. You know, people just, the big thing with a lot of people is they, they quit too early. You know, it's that meme of like people, yeah. you know, mining and they're like, they got the diamonds are like the one inch away from where they quit. And so like, that's exactly how it is, man. Fucking earth it is for sure. Like, you know how many times I've seen people and I'm just like, man, if you just suck it out for literally like a whole nother week, like look what you could have done. The like, craziest saying that like the jujitsu saying that I just as like the fucking blew my mind is every black belt is a white belt that never quit hundo yeah that's but that's life bro every fucking every every stock market guy every fucking wall street guy every nfl player every fucking basketball everyone that's ever lived mm. like tiger woods is just that fucking dude that never quit yeah man has had plenty of opportunities to quit too everyone you everyone gets opportunities to quit man you know what's crazy what would the world be like if no one gave up on their dreams It'd be so different. I'd be scared to see how many social influences there would be, but there would still be a lot of other good things as well. I, I, I mean, I see... That, that was the biggest thing with me when I was growing up. You see all these movies of like, you know, the guy that play, play football and then doesn't make it and then tries something else and doesn't make it and all that stuff like that. I was just like, I never wanted to be that. I never wanted to quit. Like, even when I was at the lowest lows of almost quitting football because I was just pushed to the edge of everything, I was like, the edge of this is better than the edge Fucking of 99% no. of every everything else. Yeah. And people don't realize that, that like you're going to have to sit in that uncomfortable position. That's the, the room I'm talking about. Yeah. I said, if you're not uncomfortable being uncomfortable, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because all these people that they're probably watching or seeing, I guarantee they're uncomfortable just as much as they are. It might not be the same relativity, but it's there. Yeah. People like, like I'd always bring back people saying, Oh man, you probably live such a nice life. And it's probably like so much cooler. Now everyone playing the NFL. I'm like, no, like I also have to deal with most likely CTE, the constant inflammation that's in my body, one kidney, the surgeries I had on my knees, like the, the trauma of all the stuff I had to getting almost hit by a car every single day, multiple times yeah. over and over again. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm just, all times. yeah, I'm just like, yeah, but I guess I had some fun as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's my perspective. It might seem a bit more harsh than other people's ones, but I think people just need to, um, like t- 
tighten it down. A lot of the things I see, especially with young kids and stuff like that, because of the platform of social media and like that skewed success is so outrageous, man. I see kids, I'm just like, you know, I want to do this, this, this. And I'm like, yeah, it's awesome to have dreams, but like, yo, there's a realistic side of you are nowhere near where that is right now. But there's a path to get there. Yeah, this is what you got to do. But do you it. have to realize like, I, man, you know how many messages on Instagram I get of these kids like, man, I want to do exactly what you did. I want to juco and, and, you know, earn my way and get over there and do this. And I'm like, man, if I told you or your parents what you had to do or what I had to do to make it, you wouldn't go. Mm. I know that. You know what I mean? Because I've seen, I, w- I went over there and played. There's probably been a hundred kids that have gone over and tried since then. But we don't hear about them. No. You know what I mean? Because they go over and they get scared or they do it tough one semester or the coach yells at them too much or, you know, they go over and they don't like the place and they come back. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's exactly the situation. If you can't stick it out, you don't want it, man. That's yeah. what, that's, that's the biggest thing. If you don't want it, that's fine. But don't tell people. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I hate the most. Like, don't tell me you're going to do it. Just go and do it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just be, beyond blessed that Instagram wasn't there when I was coming up. Yeah. Because that would have skewed my perception like it does for most kids hard because it's hard to differentiate from who's real and who's not it's if you're a young like, kid. Even down to like, motherfuckers be getting in ice bars every day. How many ice bars? You know what I mean? It's like the mental commitment it even takes to just get in an ice bath is like fucking heavy. And then you, you, like you would have seen dudes, you know, like fucking Bobby Wagner, like, that dude's probably the most savage motherfucker ever. And he's just like, what am I going to do? Yep, done. Yeah. Sits in the ice bath. How long for? Done. Gets out. Doesn't even phase him. And then yeah. you get a guy like me. I'm like fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> hypothermia. Like, hypothermia. At it. Just, yeah. And it's like, the, the, like some people, the, there's just this crazy fucking drive that anyone that's successful, like whatever their thing is, is like all the shit that scares away normal people doesn't even phase him. Mm, it's, and those are once in a lifetime people man like honestly you're gonna have those fears you're gonna have all those problems and stuff like that but the people that go through it man it's and you can tell them apart man like I've been lucky enough to be in a few places where I'm like yo oh that dude's got it man like like, in the US especially yeah real is the biggest thing that's the big thing with me like a lot of the brands and stuff that I do like everything is based around being real and um, you see that pretty pretty soon when you when I meet people I'm like okay yeah, he's not worth doing that. You know what I mean? I've seen yeah. you 10 times already in my life. Like, I'm not trying to see the 11th. You know what I mean? When I, um, yeah, whenever I do stuff with people, like, there's three things that I think played a huge role in what, what, why I was successful in what I did, but also why people and businesses don't really do well. And the first one is integrity. Uh, the second one is attention to detail. And the third one is sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And I tell people that all the time. They're like, oh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, integrity is if I say I'm going to do something, if I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there no matter no matter what. I'm going to be sick to my stomach if you don't know I'm not going to be there. You know what I mean? That was like today. I said we're going to be here at 10. And then I said, no, maybe 9.30. And then I get up here at 9.15. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, I'm not going to leave you hanging, dog. Yeah. That's just not, that's, that is not the person I'm going to be perceived at in any way, shape, or form. And then attention to detail I think that's helped me the most and that's a Nick Saban thing and that's focusing on things that other people won't focus on you know what I mean like everyone can do hard work but it's the smart work that fills the gaps mm. people don't understand that like it's awesome to train but there's 18 other things to take into into um, 
into your thoughts on what, what's going to take to get to the next level, whether it's a diet, this, your recovery. Do you have a championship mentality to taking care of yourself? Do you have a championship mentality to studying and doing that sort of stuff whilst playing football and like going from ESPN to then sitting in an English class and then mm. winning a national championship and then go doing an exam the next day? It's about focusing on those little things. I tell people all the time, so even the Great Wall of China was built with lots of little bricks. Mm. They didn't just have this huge one brick that was the size of the yeah, Great Wall of China. Special and it just plopped that just down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Uluru would be the biggest one. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people skip that so hard. And I tell people that's in every way, shape or form. Like if I tell people, if you just go and focus on the small things that you can grasp with your eyes, because your eyes wouldn't be trained to see it yet. If it's where your relationship and that's, either listening not just hearing the sounds absorbing it or like doing the small things you'll see how unbelievably i don't know if you got aubrey marcus yeah yeah own the day the book i haven't read it yeah yeah it's just not too bad yeah i've read it a few times there's lots of cool little things in it but that ideology is very similar and it's like almost like the book the obstacle is the way as well like it's like dominoes yeah you know people like oh you can't uh, um, one tiny thing can't move a mountain but you know it's it's the build-up of all those dominoes to a mountain-sized well, domino. What, what do they say? It's uh, it's not the power of the river that shapes the mountain, but it's yeah. the like the consistency. The consistency, yeah. The consistency it, and continuity of the yeah. water can shape anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's how they turn sharp rocks into like soft, like round rocks. You yeah. Know? Um. So that's attention to detail. But it's not sexy to just go like, "Hey, man, hey, it's it's costly." You do this every fucking day. <laughs> it's costly. People don't want it. It's costly and it gets boring that's what people don't understand it's always going to be that mm. um, you're not going to be out there posting you going for a 5k walk to make weight on Instagram mm. and tag like what <laughs> you know what I'm saying like yeah. what's, what's it going to get you know because and you're not going to post when you're overweight not feeling all that sort of stuff like now you want to post when you're looking good or you feel yeah. good and all that stuff and then sense of urgency is big for me I had a realistic slap in the face of that because I know well the time is ticking like it's it, it's as soon as you open your eyes and you start screaming someone's like go time click like you want and you don't know when it's the next person's clicking um so you're gonna make the most of it and i see a lot of that now to this day a lot of people like oh no i'm just gonna you know chill for a little bit and i'm like you wasted it already well that's what was cool with this like i was gonna like sort of waiting to get you on for the new studio and then you hit me up and you're like hey let's fucking do it bro i'm like yep we're on like you do have that legit yeah yeah like man i like i tell people all the time i'm like yeah man are you free and they're like oh when i'm like fucking now like now dude like i i I, I called my boy yesterday i'm inside i'm like are you free tomorrow He's like, oh, maybe next week. But no, I said tomorrow. You that's He's like, I yeah, said, I got yeah, time at three. He's like, can you make it? I said, yeah, I'll be there too. Yeah. That's <laughs> as soon as you text me that and you're like, you want to do this shit? I was like, yeah, yeah let's fucking do it. Because yeah. I, I fuck, I like that shit. Because yeah. like, you do get a lot of people that will be like, oh, we should do it here and there. And I was like, yeah. all right, cool. You just fucking let me know. Well, I just hate the other end of that stick of that exact situation. People yeah. are like, man, let's catch up. I'm like, sure. Let's, you want to go right now? Yeah. I'm pretty hungry. Like, oh, no, no, no. I got this. I'm like, yeah. don't tell me that. Shit, yeah, man. Like, hey, text me when you want to catch up, man. Like, I don't need the the anticipation that something might happen. Like, I got other yeah. stuff to worry about. You I'd know just rather, I mean? like, get busy. Fucking yeah, doing like, shit. I just tell people, like, if I can do it right now, like, yeah, let's do, yeah, it. do it. You know what I mean? Like, if I don't have time, well, then the next available time, yeah, yeah. I'll make it happen. You know, like, but those three things, whether it's, really whether it's, things whether it's business, your relationship, life, if you don't have those three things, 
If you just got two, you got attention to detail, sense of urgency, eh, you could still be losing the integrity. Hard, yeah. You know what I mean? But it won't be as good as you got three. Mm. If you got integrity, attention to detail, mm, that sense of urgency might be taking too long. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you just have one, it ain't enough. You need those three, um, I think, to be su- not successful, or to, to be successful, but in the, the way to that I great. think. Yeah, I think for me, that's a bit more like inner success, like um, as in like overall well-being of like, okay, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I take care of a lot of things. I keep things in mind. I try and do stuff as best I can, knowing that my time is going to be up soon. And I do it with good integrity for the right reasons to the right people with the right people. Yeah. You can't really go too much wrong than that. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't really be a drug dealer because you, of that. You know what I mean? You can have attention to detail and sense of urgency now. I know a lot of people with that, but then you're missing that, you know? So it's those I try and live by the most and, you know, I, I don't, I don't really go out there and be like, man, you gotta, you gotta outwork people and all that sort of stuff. Cause I did that and I know there's better ways to do it now, mm. you know? So I would never preach some 1990s way of doing stuff. It works, but there's, there's, there's an effective yeah. way now. You know what I mean? Like when I tell my son, when he's 18, I'll be like, yeah, you have to work hard, but you have to be smart and it has to be in the right direction for the right reasons with the right intent. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, whoa, okay. When I was 16, I'm like, oh, that, that wouldn't change a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It might shape a little bit, but I learned trial by far. You know, I got the scars to show, so you got to pass it on. Um, I just think those are heavy, man. Like if people dive into those three yeah, and realize that like, hey, be a good person. You know, I tell people all the time, no matter what the hell you get at, how much money you got, if you ain't got this, you know, good. Yeah. Attention to detail, focus on all the other things in your life. You might be, it might be good and bad. You know, you might be focusing on all the big good things and not being that happy. You should focus on some of the small things you gradually do and win over the day. And then sense urgency, if you don't wake up with fire under your ass, like you're gonna die tomorrow, or today is the last day that you have opportunity to to bless planet Earth with something you got, you're wrong. Mm. Because I know plenty of people that aren't here anymore that would have wanted to do that. Just one extra day. Man, I tell people all the time, like, now I've been in plenty of situations, like, I've almost jacked my neck out playing football. I've been in hell of surgeries, done a bunch of different stuff. Like I've been to the point where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you might die. You might yeah, die. this could be it. So you get real quick. You just like, when you do that, whenever I was thinking of like what would happen, the situations, like I said, cause I'm a very thinking person. I never really thought like what car I was driving what sort of house and stuff I was living yeah, in. Yeah, it didn't matter. At that what sort point, of stuff yeah. I was doing. I just, all I could remember was like, what people were doing, who was there, you know, like what sort of cool stuff that I could have done. You know what I mean? I think that it's super cliche, but all those cliches come from people saying it over and over again because it's right. Super smart motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Like old, old, um, you know, philosophers from, you know, when they were wearing beach towels and stuff around, you know, with long hair and stuff. And I think it, it just means so much more now than ever before because people have lost track of everything and they've created all these other different mantras and diets and like ways to live and stuff like that but there's only like a few that we can go so much like distraction now that's all the distraction and it's like you said i love what you said about like the currency is attention like it's fucking so true dude i i man i talked to some of these people and they would rather if i was like oh get a, a million followers or like this money right now they would take that right away yeah you know what i mean like because they just think it's not only worth more but they can like drag it out into something else when it's just like i don't think it has what it takes you know what i'm saying like not in a 
yeah yeah it's just i don't know instagram is such a wild beast man like it it can really honestly have the power to make or break oh fuck yeah not so much your life but your mental well-being like sometimes they go on there i'm like whoa i'm like i ain't got it you know what i'm saying like i follow pretty strategic people like a lot of entrepreneur people mainly for thinking and like i only follow people i want to be affected by yeah yeah i don't follow you because you look good like like i can go anywhere and see that like it's the internet yeah i want to i want to see some stuff that might actually open my yeah, eyes to like something or like yeah. I hear some stuff whether it's like you know Andy Frisella a few other entrepreneur guys that follow Lewis Howes who's an ex-NFL as well I would hear some stuff and I'm like okay yeah 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 yeah, that's cool and then I would I might listen to a one hour podcast mm. and I might get that two minutes of like yo that, yeah. that got me today for this this and this and this you know what I mean that's what's crazy with podcasts is like and I I noticed that when I'll post something and like something that I've said the, or something that a guest said that is kind of like benign to me. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't really, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, oh, I knew that. Yeah. But to somebody, it's like when they're hearing that for the first time or they're in the place in their life where they need to hear that exact thing at that exact time and it can just fucking completely floor you. Like it's so crazy how like powerful that can be. Oh, 100%, man. That's why dudes like Tony Robbins can be billionaires. That's you know what crazy, I mean? It's dude. Influence. Yeah. You know, and it's not in influence of like posting stuff. It's influence of like affecting appe- a change. A, a, yeah, on appealing to people's human emotions. You know, and wanting all those things. You know, and and being safe and learning and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's what I like, and that's what I want to push towards. Not being like Tony Robbins, but being able to positively affect yeah. people's lives with my experiences and the way I am as a person. Like when I see people, I want people to be like, oh, that dude's a pretty stand-up like guy." Lead, like leading by example. Like yeah, and that's what I want people to say. Like if I'm gonna be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if I'm not call the police, cause something is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not how I vibe. Right. Um, and people need to realize that as soon as you find like the person you're going to be, all these other issues in your life or the people in your life, it finds its way back to where yeah. it should be. If you, if you change and people are so worried about that word of like, if you change into some super woke person and you start, and that was truly you, right you started getting up early doing this working out eating all this stuff like that all your crackhead friends they're not gonna like you no more yeah but that's gonna be a benefit to you yeah. you know what i mean people don't see that being a good person being on time all these little things has nothing about making more money or getting a better job it's about being a better person and that byproduct well, turns like into that. those things your vibe attracts your tribe you know man 100 percent. and like obviously the word vibe and that sort of stuff super played yeah. out but i love it man like those vibrations if you don't put them off like and you can see right away i wouldn't have come on the show if it wasn't for yeah, meeting yeah, you when yeah. i was with andy yeah for sure you know what i mean like i i'm not big to just like do random yeah, you're stuff. not like whoring yourself out, yeah, yeah i don't do random stuff i do stuff for a reason yeah you know, i have to have the intent of like man it's for this today it's this 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 and this you know i'm just like oh yeah i'm not gallivanting through life it's just like yeah. let's do this let's do this you know um and it's just a different way of thinking like people just need to know that man there's lots of ways to success and it's not a straight line yeah and it's uh yeah it's yeah it's pretty empty at the top i i feel like um the one thing that i like like i continually like tell people is that and it again it's like one of those old cliches it's like it's not the not the destination it's the journey well like i like to just think of it in terms of like it's a road and it's like you're you've got you have to be on like a road to somewhere 
somewhere doesn't exist because the further you progress in life it's a like what you want in life is a sort of mirage like you don't we don't really know what we want because goals are so adaptive and it's so shifting and it's so like fleeting because it's like oh i want this and it's like as you the perfect example is like money you're like i want to make a million dollars well as you get closer to making that million dollars you've got a new house you got a new car you got a wife you got some kids then those kids need money so it's like a million dollars just doesn't mean as much anymore so now it's like fuck i kind of need like two million dollars so then you and as you get closer to two million dollars now you've just invested in a new fucking cbd business and you've got this business here and then now you've got to float this fucking gym that you're invested in so but now all of a sudden more money's coming in and then you're going to eclipse that two million dollars so then you're like well fuck i'm kind of staring down the barrel like 20 mil right now so it's like the goal is a sort of a pointless thing it's like necessary to like put one foot in front of the other but it's like you can't fixate on any goal for too long or like be bummed out if you're not closer to it than you were yesterday or whatever it's like as long as you're on that road and every step you take is gonna take you further to the goal you think you have in mind like that's the fucking win Mm -hmm. and you need to enjoy every moment of like being on that road and it's like I just think that the path is the destination. Like that's, you just, you just got to get on that fucking road and every day do something one step to another step to just stay on that road because it's so fucking easy to get off that road. That road's a cunt to walk down. Like that road will cause you a lot of fucking problems, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, but it's like, you need to not get off that road because easy street is at a fucking T intersection at every single point every fucking day you can get off that road and go onto easy street Mm. so it's like you know and it you want to go on easy street because you're like fuck look how far away that goal is like but you just have to realize that goal is not really what you're chasing the real fulfillment comes from just being on that road every day 100 percent. i think a lot of people get get confused with it can all change at all times you know what i mean like i i when I was 15, I set those goals to do all those things and I got there. You know what I mean? And that's what, it, it hit me like a, a ton of bricks, man. I'm just like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Yeah, I've got no, all this shit. When I was growing up, they didn't say, write extra goals like as like a constellation prize. Mm. It was just like, yeah, we got to chase this one thing, do this, 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 and I got it. I grabbed it, I touched it, I lived it. So it's just like, you know what I mean? And that's what drew me back to it's about your outcome, not your income. An outcome isn't a goal. An outcome is what it, what I want it to be like when I'm there. Yeah. It has nothing to do with money. It could be to do with my health. It could be my, my, my internal health. You know what I mean? Like it could be the type of person I am. Like the big thing with me is I want to be a good person. Uh, obviously everyone wants to have financial freedom. You want to have, you know, the right people around you and stuff like that. And they sound like super like an old person's goals mm. you know what i mean like i not one had like oh, i want to have like a nice card or like that because in the outcomes like it, it's going to change like yeah that that nice car someone in 1973 could have said oh man i want a, a lamborghini no in 1990 it was like oh i want a, a 1991 lamborghini diablo if you go buy a Lamborghini in 10 years you go buy a Lamborghini Diablo you you're gonna like pay a, more you, you look like an idiot yeah you look like a fucking idiot like I'll be having a flying Tesla bro and this dude's yeah. got a, he, his car is touching the ground what a loser yeah. you know what I mean because yeah. it changes everything yeah. changes the biggest thing 
with a lot of these people is like they have to know what changes but also th- lots of things are going to come your way and change and through all over the place that adaptability to handle it mm. um, and I talk about it all the time and I didn't take this or steal the name from Tony Robbins but I talk about being unshakable and that's not deviating from your line yeah that's up or down people don't understand that you know where most NFL players get lost is the up people don't get that you go from having no money most people if you gave them five million dollars they would be done yeah I would give them under 12 months. You know what I mean? The lows, we use that to get back to the highs. So if you can handle the highs and the lows, you can stay pretty level and keep that line pretty linear, like on the way up. But a lot of people, they get lost in the lows or they get lost in the highs. And you spend so much time up and down that you never get to the destination you really want to go to. So I think a lot of people is that adaptability and sticking to it. You know, it takes what it takes and staying on that line, it ain't easy because you want to get pulled, whether it's some stupid relationship or something like that, or you want to get pulled and like get in a promotion, doing more work and doing more and get pulled back this way, how you handle it. Mm. And none of that has to do with really money or anything like that. It's just you as a person. But if you like, and I always go back to those three things. If you've got all those three things, hey, staying on that line seems pretty cruisy. Mm. You know what I mean? But you got to master those three things and that's that's probably a whole nother line itself but um yeah i think a lot of it is people overcomplicate it man overcomplicate yeah. success and and what it is and what it takes and all sort of stuff and everyone's you know like man if you watch one of david goggins this thing one time like people just want to jump up and like i'm about to run 20 miles yeah. like, son you're gonna get to the edge of the street and you're gonna come right back yeah you know what i mean so it's like Andy Frisella says it a lot too. He's like, you can't go cold turkey. That shows weakness. That shows you need something so rigid to change your life, to hold your discipline to something. I said, just change. It's slow. It's a process. And you have to trust the process. Yeah. If you don't trust it, it ain't going to work. And then again, it's like, there's no finish line to the process. (laughs) Like, you know, and that. The finish line is whatever you prescribe or you want in your head. Yeah. You know what I mean? If people are chasing nothing but money, when they get the money, they'll be like me. They'll be like, oh man, well, what do I do with it? Like, what do I buy? But the process towards that, you should have learned by then. It's other things, you know? If the people want to be the strongest person in the world, when they get there, what are they going to do? Yeah. You're going to keep that same intensity and training volume to stay the strongest person in the world? Or are you going to try and do something else? You know what I mean? You see it. If you look at that correlative and you look over the people that you've seen achieved huge greatness, the hardest thing on planet Earth to fight is complacency when you're at the top. Yeah. Hey, no one's up there to influence you because there's only a very, very yeah, few of us. very like That's why when, when we were, when I was at Alabama, we won two national championships. That was the hardest thing, impossible thing to ever have done. Back to back national championships. Man, I think the last team that did it was the University of Miami in like the 90s or 80s. You know what I mean? And that was before BCS and that was before social media, huge amount of TV exposure, all that sort of yeah. stuff like that. Because complacency is the, is the killer. It's like getting like termites in your freaking house, man. Like that thing will just from the inside out drag you down, you know? So it's, man, it's a battle, man. Up and down every day. But if you ain't, if you don't wake up every day with the intent that you know that it's a battle every day, you know, Nick Saban used to say it the best, man. He said, we go out there to dominate our opponent. We don't go out there to to be better or win or do fancy stuff. We go out there to dominate our opponent. A byproduct is that we win. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't win, they're pretty, we didn't dominate, pretty, pretty dominated yeah. or we didn't do our yeah. job. Um, so I think a lot of people need to just wake up and dominate their opponent. Yeah. And they dominate. usually their opponent is the person looking in the mirror. Yeah. Um, 
But I think it's, yeah, it all will come back to that being intentful and all that sort of stuff like that and, and doing what you want, man. Like one of my favorite quotes that, um, who's the current Atlanta Falcons head coach now, he was a defensive coordinator when I was in Seattle. He said to me, when I asked him, I said, when I was in the room with all these other players and stuff getting ready for camp, I said, what, what do you think is a good um, trait that helps you stand out in the NFL? You know, because everyone's working hard, everyone's working smart. And stuff like that. He said, find what you're good at and be the best at that in every room that you go to yeah in the building so that could be you know for me as i'm a very aggressive football player and i'm strong and big and stuff like that, so i had to be the most aggressive the strongest that football player everywhere i went because everyone's got their skill set everyone's got their things yeah you know what i mean if yours is film or being a podcast don't go out there and try and 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 do be yeah, a, be a fisherman NFL, or yeah. do this like do what you do and do it to your absolute like utmost ability and then push a little further yeah in everywhere you go you know what i mean and he said that's the best way to stand out in anything in life and i man, i listened to it to this day man like i was just like i remember i remember the exact place he told me and i was just like i'm like okay. is that the shit that made like the nfl special is just like all the people that you would be around like because it's just to be around such fucking high level people all the time like i think it made it easier for me in regards to like me being around being, and yeah. like being I'm a pretty absorbent person like I, I like to watch and hear everything all the time um, it makes it a lot harder now not being around them yeah yeah that's for sure um, I don't think in the moment the whole time I was like oh let me write down all these notes that he's saying for no reason yeah but I just have such a good memory that I'm like oh, I remember when you said that man like it's just and especially things stick to me man like I, if it really means something to me and everyone has their, their little things you just like you know what I mean Nick Saban stuff was the most powerful because um, I know Nick walks the walk, man. Like when yeah. I when I was a player, I'd get there five in the morning, work out. I pull up, his car's already there. I'm like, okay. Like uh, when I was a coach, I'd get there even earlier. I'd get to work, he's already there. You know, when I'm leaving, his car's still there. You know what I mean? Like he just is out working. No he is day. leading by example. Like the man still carries a notebook around, writes with a, a a little tiny pencil, man. Writes down everything. You know what I mean? Re goes over it, has notes every time he goes into talk. Like he does crazy stuff. And like a lot of his stuff, like the 24 hour rule, that pretty much got me through like all that cancer stuff. So what was that? Um, this is another thing I talk along in my, in my, when I keynoted stuff, it's a 24 hour rule. So it's win or lose after every game, we're back to work. So no matter where we travel throughout the season, if we lose, if we're playing in Florida, California, Miami, New York, wherever, 24 hours after, we're back when we're back to work we get ready for next week yeah so i treated everything in my life like that so if it was cancer as soon as i found out 24 hour rule cry get angry be upset be happy friggin for alcoholic go dr if you're an alcoholic don't drink um <laughs> if you're uh if you drink drink do whatever but 24 hours 24 later, hours you only get 24 zero. hours we're back to work start again we got something else to deal with and i did that everywhere i went man like i had something else like all right, I'm over the cancer thing. Honestly, when up the last few years, if someone doesn't bring up I, I had cancer, like I'm like I would have forgot I had it. That's how a I know how powerful the mind is, but how strong I wiped it from my brain. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I never, honestly, I didn't give it the respect. Like I said I, earlier, I said I treated it like the flu. It was nothing to me. You know what I mean? It was just like one of those things. Like I just got to do it and take the kidney. I'm, I'll be back in seven weeks. I'll be fine. And that's exactly how it played out. You know what I mean? But I use that 24 hour rule 
And it could be everything, man. It could be everything. It's relative, you know? Mm. Um, because on the downside, if you say it's like a shitty thing, like uh, you got cancer, it's like, all right, 24 hours, fucking drown yeah. your sorrows and then get back to zero and work. Back to work. And then that will get keep you on the path to, uh, you know, beating it. And mm. then it's also would be a way to keep you humble in victory because it's 100%. like- all right, I'm going to celebrate. We just won the national championship. Fucking 24 hours to soak this victory in. And then I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the work. And it, that seems like a great way to just keep yourself centered at all times through win or lose. Well, that's I try and tell people all the time. Well, we won the national championship in New Orleans. 24 hours later, we were running sprints in Alabama. Like we were doing all our recovery Fuck protocol. New Orleans is a crazy city, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get lost down there. <laughs> and not in the right sort of lost. No. Um, but yeah, it was just... I think a lot of people don't realize that some of the hardest things in life are dealing with the good times and the good things. Where do you think most of these people pick up all these bad habits? It's, it's not from being broke because you, you need money to have most of these bad habits. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of it for me is like staying centered and I guess just creating a better center more and, mm. more, and more and more and more and being unshakable. Like I don't like being swayed and people think I'm like super angry all the time or like no emotion. Well, it's not really like that. Like I can get emotional. It's just very minimal because I don't want to waste it on lots of things. Mm. You know what I mean, if I really need to, then it's there. If I really need to, then it's there. You know what I mean? But I stay pretty the whole time. If the world's going to end, like, okay, we'll figure a way out. But if well, somebody it's else- It's like that whole like stoicism sort of thing. Have you ever read too much about like stoicism? No. It was like one of the big kind of things to come out of um, like Greek- philosophy oh really yeah like that have um, I'll have to check it out yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool like they were like philosophers that they would be homeless like they had no pos- it oh, was like kind of yeah, like the yeah. monk sort of yeah i've read a little bit like, yeah. yeah yeah so it's like but i think i mean that goes like that's very extreme but i think that stoic mentality of like not a lot of men of emotions not a lot of highs not a lot of lows just like very um it's just like measured and calculated at all times. Like there's definitely merit in that. Yeah, I try and it's, and whenever I talk, it comes across like I'm like some sort of robot and I don't get upset. Or, like it's the exact opposite. I just said I had 24 hours. You don't want to see what I do in the 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing with people is just like they get, um, yeah, they almost feel like they're held back by it or something like that. But really it's, it's more of like a long burning, I guess, feel. Um, instead yeah, well, of like, like a short term like yeah empty the tank real quick empty the tank real quick you know what i mean like it doesn't really um doesn't really hit the same there's a um have you read jordan peterson's book 12 uh, rules for life yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 like the there's a the chapter i'm on now is quite interesting about like what is work mm. and like the definition of what work is and it i'd never really thought about it in this context and the way that he laid it out but like work is basically delaying gratification so it's like sacrificing something in the present for a better future yeah and like fuck man that was like such a it's such a productive way to look at something because it makes work feel okay because it's like i think sometimes you can just get like lost in the grind of it all and just be like what the fuck i'm just grinding and grinding and grinding but it's almost like its own form of currency Mm. like you get currency in the form of money from work but you're also getting currency in itself of like this better future. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And it, it, it's it, that was a cool way to think of it. And it just reading about that and like applying that own concept to my mind was like a really cool way to like get over some of the shit that I don't want to do. Yeah, well, I think that's the same with me. With um, 
like when we'd run one like run sprints or do stuff like that it's the same thing like the work was you're sacrificing what you got right now for something that's going to be for the greater good of something else yeah but people also don't realize that you get so much more from work than money you know what i mean the discipline yeah um you know all those other things that come along with you know the sacrifice of of what you're doing you know it's not just a all chase money sort of vibe it's more like you can better yourself through work and doing that sort of stuff like that as long as you you know are doing stuff fingers crossed what you want to do um but it seems like the biggest thing with me and when i even talk to people about whether it's business or like training stuff like that is just their perspective every time i go back to it i talk to a lot of coaches a lot of kids and it's just like perspective is the biggest thing man yeah dude and it's the hardest to change if you're not like vulnerable or you're not in touch with yourself, whether it's like emotionally or physically or whatever, it's very hard to shake. You know what I mean? It's like a bad, it's like having a flu for a long period of time. It just, mm. um, it wears you down. You know what I mean? It makes you like, I wouldn't say bitter, but it doesn't put the best spin on what your personality is. Um, but I think the perspective, I think for me is the biggest thing that just shapes so much, whether it's work, play, being happy or whatever, my dad says one of the best quotes, man, like it hits home all the time. So the best way to be happy is have a good memory. Mm. Um, and I, I, like, I vibe with that so hard um, because when I do have those down days, like, man, I go, <laughs> I, I go through like, and I keep all my phones, man. I go through my old phones, like when I was in college or when I was in the league. And like, I go through like, because I take so many pictures I would scroll through and be like, remember the times or the people and stuff like that. Like I'm big on people and connecting with people. And like, I would go through and be like, yo, that is wild. Like I go through, I go through times in my life where I'm like, I'm just, man, I ain't done shit in my life. Like I've done nothing. Like what the hell am I doing? And then I like, I can go see like all the pictures I was like with Obama. Like I used to fly through the mountains in a helicopter and photograph like the sun, like rising over the mountains, man. Like when I was real sick, I, I used to pay the pilot to sit up there and I would just watch the sunrise up there. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had, you know, seeing my son, seeing my son do, you know, outrageous things, you know, being able to play football literally all over the United States, be able to come where I come from to do some of the things that I was, you know, I've been like Drake's played directly in front of me at the Super Bowl party. Like I've, I've met every famous person I could ever think of, you know, and that doesn't really add worth to what I'm doing now, but I always look back and I'm like, oh man, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm blessed. I got such a good memory to remember the journey I was able to take, um, the good and bad, you know what I mean? Cause I learned from the bad and I try and like appreciate the good, especially the more I get older, the more I talk to it and do podcasts. And I'm like, wow, yeah, I'm like, like it really does bring like, I've had back. dinner with Pharrell when he played in Brisbane. You yeah, know what I mean? Crazy. I'm just like, but I would never remember that. Cause I'm like, I'm going through my phone. I'm like, oh, well, this means Pharrell. Like, yo, yeah. this wild, you know what I mean? I'm just like, at the time, I never put a lot into it. I'm just like, oh, it's, yeah, it's whatever. And then now I'm just like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, like I've been able to have some monumental times in my life. And then the backside of that, I'm like, all right, what's next? What are yeah. we going to do? Like, what's what, what are we going to impact people with now? Like, what can I push towards now? So that's the battle. And it's what, a daily and, battle. And so what what is your plans for the future? Honestly, it's always up in the air with me. I'm living pretty uh, pretty open to what I do. I stick pretty hard in like strength and conditioning, sports performance, because I love that with a, a deep passion, training, strength training, and a lot of the disciplines that come from teaching. Yeah. So I love that. I love speaking. So I'm, I, I do a lot more speaking now, like corporate wise. Um, and I push that as much as I possibly can because I 
learn so much from re-speaking and re-hearing yeah, a story. Yeah. Um, and I love seeing it correlate to people in business and in, in general life. Um, but then from there, I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to start my own podcast soon. Yeah, we're going um, to get you sorted out in, that. in the process. Um, it's a lot more than just getting some mics and um, having a chat. Yeah. So, um, but stuff like that, I think the biggest thing with me is effectiveness. Like, um, I just want to be able to affect people. Like, I have a platform currently that's, you know, reasonable. I can, I got pretty good awareness. I know that's not going to be there forever. I'm not trying to keep Instagram forever. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to do a little quick next... 12 to 24 months a quick hit and run of like dump all my information and knowledge and stuff as far as I possibly can um, and then the rest and more my son will get and then I'll move on to doing some other stuff hopefully I'm, I'm looking to try and write a book and do a bit more and I feel like I'm slowly on the decline of you know how hard I want to push and push in certain areas Yeah. but I want to so I'm moving away from stuff I need to do into stuff that I almost want and have to do in regards to um like i have to use what i've done for a positive thing yeah you know what i mean i want to do it because of the stuff i've done so it's and like i tell people all the time like i'm by far not the perfect person i still struggle with lots of different things whether it's my my own health my own mental health and lots of other things like that so it's a daily grind man it's a yeah. daily grind and i'm just lucky enough to be around good people listen to exponential amounts of podcasts a day listen from you know great people in the u.s great mentors um and yeah keep living to fight the next day as it comes you know what i mean that's the biggest thing is i don't ever wake up expecting not to go hand to hand with something yeah I wake up ready to go you know what i mean my yeah. back's against the wall non-stop and that's just how i that's just how i live it's a good yeah. way to live though like it's a good mentality to have you hey know? you come out swinging i'm bound to connect with somebody you know what I mean and something's gonna go and something's gonna do it and I think the older I get the more I see how powerful that's been in my life and how it will continue to be yeah but yeah at the moment it's just um yeah talking and affecting and trying to do what I can it's um yeah hopefully people get a lot from the story yeah and honestly I don't think we have enough time to go into every aspect of the story because we just get I mean you know how it is every time we're caught up it just get you get dragged you know I think it's almost like Instagram you know you're just like oh but this and this and yeah. this but it's like at least it's like a real human fucking interaction yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the phones are distant in the in, in, um, in the room you know so it's uh, it's all coming from the heart you know and I try and keep everything super real the whole time like I don't need to lie about nothing I got no fear of what people think they might know or the perspective they want to create on themselves of, of me or my story so um, I just hope people can learn from it and, and take at least one thing from it, whether it's the 24 hour rule or, yeah, you know, the like three that, things I said, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of people, a lot of people vibe to that whenever I, um, whenever I talk. So I, uh, I always hope that one of those things stick on the wall when I, when I get it out there. Nah, for sure, dude. Well, hey, we'll wrap this up. Do, we, do you want to go get some food? You hungry? I'm pretty hungry. Yeah, I'm keen. Uh, after uh, speaking all that dehydration the whole time, I've been yeah, like, I know. I get I'm dying. Water, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll get you on again when we get the new studio. Yeah, for sure. It's like fuck, bro. There's like there's so much even just like football talk that I like we didn't even get into, but like <laughs> it's cool. Like I I hope that um yeah to like introduce people to you and your story and like kind of lay it out. Like normally I don't try and go through like the whole like chrono- chronology of like yeah. people's lives or whatever, yeah. but I'm like, fuck, it's such an interesting story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like literally there's the w- one dude in Australia that's ever done what you've done. 
So I'll have to bring um, the rings next. Next time I do it, I'll bring all my rings and stuff so yeah. we can get it on camera. And yeah, fuck yeah. I'll just sit here the whole time with it. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I really appreciate you coming down, dude. For sure, fucking made it happen. So um, yeah, we'll put it out and I'll get you back on uh, back on again soon and then we'll get you sorted with your own podcast yeah. as well. Keep your ears out. We'll be coming for you. Shout. <laughs> all right, thanks, bro.